Direct auto insurance is for uncompromisers, the people who refuse to make trade-offs in life. They're the ones who proudly say no to living on someone else's terms and schedule. And when it comes to insurance, they find the savings they need to keep driving. And with savings of up to $1,044 per year when you switch to Direct Auto, you too can stop compromising and keep driving. Get a free quote today at directauto.com or find a store near you. Data from August 2021, new customer survey. Savings of any vary. How you buy can affect price. National General Group, Winston-Salem. minute away from launch time on Spaced Out Radio tonight. The Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And don't forget, after the show, leave a comment. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down during the show, whatever you feel we deserve. It all helps out with the algorithms of YouTube, so we would greatly appreciate it. Hi, love, V-love. Nice to have you back. And, of course, don't forget, book your holiday now at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, Nevada for May 19th through 21st. This entire panel here tonight will be in Las Vegas, Nevada for the second SOR fan party. And we're going to have live YouTube all day long on the Saturday, the 20th. Uh, Grant promises he will not wear his Superman costume this year. And it's good. It's good. And uh, I got to drop about 65 pounds before I go because I just need to be looking as good as Tom Whitmore while I'm there and as skinny as Nicole Sackage. So that's how we're going to do things when we get to Vegas, May 19th through 21st at the Golden Nugget, 2023. And in that note, we got about five seconds before we're going to launch here. Hi, Bill WD-40, looking gorgeous on Spreaker. Horns up. Let's rock. Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of FSOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Now we do a little bit of a different show if this is your first time tuning us on in when it comes to the round table. No, it's no real production here. We just have a group of great people, very brilliant people that are very familiar with the paranormal using it as an umbrella term. And all of these people bring very, very special, special information 
to what we are going to talk about tonight. Let us bring in our panel for tonight's SOR roundtable. We have Katie Page from MUFON in Colorado, from the UAP Studies podcast, one of the best mustaches in ufology, Jason Gamet, researcher Tom Whitmore, Nicole Sackage, researcher and author, and from the After Hours on Spaced Out Radio's YouTube channel, we have Grant Baker as well. And here we go with everyone going on in because it has been a busy, busy week as we looked at the Wilson documents coming on out. We looked at the notes by a gentleman named Oak Shannon coming on in, Nicole Sackich. Let's start with you on this one tonight because you have been front and center on the Oak Shannon documents. For people who may not have been caught up throughout the week, uh, give us a quick synopsis on why the notes from Oak Shannon have been very important towards these UFO Wilson documents that were actually put into evidence during the congressional hearings this past summer. You got to turn your microphone on there, Nicole. And we don't have your microphone. While we're waiting for Nicole to figure that part out, let's go to you, Tom Whitmore, because I know you have been very close to this subject as well. Well, it requires a little bit of explanation, but when the Wilson documents uh, came into the public domain a couple of years ago, uh, they were never supposed to be made public. And the reason why they were is because uh, apparently uh, Eric Davis uh, wrote a, a memorandum of this conversation that he had with Admiral Wilson. And apparently he sent it to members in NIDS. And one of those members was uh, the astronaut Ed- Edgar Mitchell. Edgar Mitchell passed away. And a fan of his, a close friend, asked if he could have uh, at least some, if not all, of Edgar Mitchell's personal files. And embedded in those files was the so-called Wilson Davis document. And in that document, it describes a conversation between uh, Eric Davis and and Admiral Thomas Wilson. And Wilson told uh, Eric Davis, according to the transcript, that he had checked with Oak Shannon, who was a scientist at Los Alamos. He had checked with uh, Oak Shannon and that Eric Davis was okay, that Eric Davis had a good character and he could be be relied on to maintain confidentiality. So with that, you know, these documents, Tom, got submitted into the congressional hearings this past summer, which nobody expected to happen yet it was kind of one of the shockers of a very bland day of uh you know talking about swamp gas and little green men in front of the public for 90 minutes you know but here we are looking at it today these notes they have their critics they have their supporters they have their cheerleaders why are these notes so controversial tom well they're they're they have the potential to they have the potential to be extremely important because if valid and genuine and if the information in it is uh, essentially correct, then there is or was or must be some kind of deep, dark, secret UFO recovery and and reengineering program. And the reason why it's controversial is because 
uh, I think some of the more, the older, more, uh, uh, the, some of the older and more cynical UFO investigators were really put off by the 1980s because there was a certain amount of information going around. And so some UFO people looked at that document and they thought, well, that here we go again. There's more disinformation. Here's, here's another phony document. But, but this is a completely different situation because we have a chain of custody. It, the document went from Admiral Wilson's uh, uh, estate to a, a close friend of his who wishes to become unnamed. And he's the only link in the custody that we don't have public. But that, in turn, went to James Rigney, and then James Rigney transferred it to Grant Cameron. And then Grant Cameron uh, showed it around to other people, and eventually it, it ended up on Reddit and on, on the Internet. So it, became, it went into the public domain. And that's, that's one thing that the critics, the, the people that are cynical about the Wilson document, don't seem to get, that in, in the MJ-12 documents, they just appeared anonymously on a roll of film. No one knows who sent them, and no one really knows who created them or why. But in this instance, uh, there is a chain of custody. We know where it comes from. Uh, we know how we got it. And that's an important thing. And some of the more skeptical people don't want to accept that. Another important aspect is that uh, now Admiral Wilson has denied it. He, did, he has denied meeting with Eric Davis. But if Eric Davis came, all he had to do was come out, Eric Davis come out and say, I never had this meeting. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen this before. It would have been a done deal. It would have been all over. But he hasn't done that. In fact, publicly, he came out, I think, with Al Putoff, and they said, we can't comment on this. I mean, that's a red flag that something is really going on here. And that's a big point, you know, as we bring in Jason Gimmett from UAP Studies Podcast here. You know, one of these things that I notice about the UFO field is you have your critics who are very staunch, Jason, on whatever the government side says, they are going with it. They're not really going deep. We've seen it with Lou Elizondo. We've seen it with the Wilson documents where, you know, Admiral Wilson completely denies it. And all of a sudden, that's it there's no investigation of this whatsoever. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we are so quick as a critic in order to really downplay any type of information that is worthy of investigation? I think it has to do with the investigator or maybe just the public at large, whether or not that he'd taken any interest in the subject to begin with. I think a lot of people are afraid of the subject. My wife was included in that for a long time. I couldn't broach the subject with her. Anything that could explain, you know, uh, what a sighting was, she would take it. Uh, it's not that way now, but I think we, we, it's just innate. It's just something in our nature that we try to make sense of things, things that don't make sense, especially this phenomenon. I mean, this phenomenon doesn't make sense. The more I delve into it, the more I understand that, that, you know, there's so much more to this. Uh, and I, I think literally it just has to do with our attention span, whether or not we can actually put up with the fact that we might be visited by something. Well, I mean, it's the big idea. This is what I don't understand, Jason, is we see these critics of the Wilson documents 
absolutely shredding it apart. Admiral Wilson didn't deny it. The government doesn't uh, put the – why did the government put fake documents into a congressional report without investigating them? We've seen the critics. Yet when it comes to somebody, if you flip the lid and it look, you take a look at Luis Elizondo – those same critics are absolutely trying to tear the guy apart, that he didn't work at ATIP, that he's never been a UFO guy, that he, you know, they're almost treating him like Bob uh, Lazar being a janitor at, at Area 51, like Travis Taylor said. I mean, it's almost like the minute we get good juice, we don't want to yeah. drink from the cup. No, I'm a huge Bob Lazar fan, by the way, and believer. Like, I I believe that he worked on the craft that he said he worked on. Um, You know, a a lot of people say, well, I don't really believe that his story is legit. I say, okay, but he's proven two things. One, Area 51 and S4. He's proven that that exists. He brought people out to that location many times to 7.30 o'clock on a Wednesday night to come visit and see this craft that would fly up in the sky. Uh, he also, uh, you know, with George Knapp as well, he described L-115 in 1989, which is crazy. We weren't even anywhere close. We just discovered that we're able to reproduce it for a microsecond. Uh, but it, it's, you know, he predicted an element that wasn't even around, uh, you know, wasn't even anywhere near the periodic uh, chart. So it's, it's crazy. Uh, I think that uh, Lazar is legit. And if he's legit, and he said that they had nine crafts uh, that he saw, that means that the government does have possession of these crafts, that they're trying to reverse engineer it. We know that because in 1989, they tried to do that. Probably because of Lazar, they had to move everything around and, you know, where else is not going to keep it there. But I, I think every time somebody comes out like that, we just harpoon them. Like, it's just, you know, we, we don't want to... We kill our heroes, if you will. People that are willing to come out and put their... Um, their foot in the ground and say, hey, guys, something's going on here. We shoot them down. It's the same thing with Lou Elizondo. Uh, Katie Page, let's bring you in here now. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You know, your thoughts on these Oak Shannon documents, the Wilson documents, and the idea that, I mean, this has turned into quite a brouhaha within the UFO community as of late. Well, it wouldn't be the UFO community if we didn't have a brouhaha and <laughs> debate. I mean, we're always, you know, have this healthy debate going on. And and I tend to be one that's more on the skeptical side of things. Um, and that really just stems from, you know, the late 70s with the ranch and having such a heavy military presence out there and then having Richard Doty, you know, kind of come forward and, you know, kind of say he knew about the place and there was nefarious things going on there. So I I tend to look at things through a skeptical lens. Um, That being said, uh, Tom Whitmore's point that, you know, we do know chain of custody on these documents. That makes a big, big, big difference. Right. Um, I'm always skeptical of people. And, and for whatever reason, I don't know what about Colorado MUFON it is, but, you know, we have Mr. Bob Bigelow and other interesting um, players, will you, that co- tend to come in through the Colorado door, <laughs> which are sometimes more interesting than, U- than the UFOs themselves. <laughs> so it keeps me kind of interested in what's going on. That being said, uh, about a year ago, I did a presentation in Canyon City, Colorado, and I, I, sh- I like to show up places early, and I happened to show up early, and 
next door was this editor of this magazine and he was a high 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 up there engineer at general electric and it's interesting because he basically said that you know general electric was privy to back engineered um craft in in that so you know maybe that there is truth to these documents all right, let's bring in Grant Baker from the After Hours show on the weekend. I mean, you've been li- listening to this and looking into all of this this past week. I know you've had conversations with many people regarding this subject. Now, Grant, you know, we've talked about the critics. We've talked about the importance or non-importance of the Oak Shannon documents that are coming out. I mean, how do we put it all together? If you're not into the UFO field, if you're not somebody who understands What's going on? How do we bring the public into this to see what the the importance of these notes are if they are truly real? Well, the important thing is is that when when they are put in the hearings and they're entered into those type of places, I mean, they're taking it seriously. So if the government is taking it seriously, realistically people should start noticing that i don't care about the critics picking it apart and where'd it come from you don't know this you don't know that you know when you have a group of people as lackadaisical as they are when it comes to this subject and i mean it's one of those deals where (sighs) i wish they were just better prepared for it but realistically it is entered in there that is a kind of a stepping stone for people to pay attention and be like, okay, what are these? Why did they do this? Read it for yourself. It's it's just, the proof is in the pudding. It's right in front of your eyes. Realistically, the way I look at it is they're not going to enter into any of these hearings if it wasn't at some point or some way, shape, or form, at least real in, in some point of that text. Well, and I agree with you, and, I, and I'm hoping that Nicole Sackage could get her uh, technical difficulties with her microphone figured out because she has literally <coughs> been the the in the forefront of all of this news that is coming out regarding it. We may have to touch on it a little bit later in the show as well. Nicole, do we hear you? Can you hear me? We can hear you now. Thank you. All right. So, Nicole, you get to wrap things up here on this subject, and we'll discuss it and debate it as well. You know, we've heard a lot of opinions about the importance of of these new notes and files that kind of corroborate the Wilson Davis documents that were made in 1989 in in the back of a limousine in Las Vegas in the EG&G parking lot. I mean, this sounds very, very strange and, and, and very, very, uh, operational indeed with how these came out but when we go through the entire aspect of this you know Nicole first of all your hero and mentor and in your research partner Grant Cameron has been holding on to a lot of information we had Grant on last week in order to discuss these but when we look at everything that you have been able to find out since then going forward, what's going on here and why do we need to be paying attention? Well, I will say once we've had a few days to settle in from all the excitement of Oaks interview to bringing out Oaks notes to adding Melinda Leslie's research and, <laughs> letting the the storm kind of calm down a little. There are these little snidbits that we're starting to pull out of these notes. 
And one of them we're calling like the boom, boom, boom moment, or we're doing hashtag AP10 because this nice little connection was made between Melinda and the Hermetic Penetrator and Grant and I and Melinda and Tom (laughs) the other night while we were going through these notes back to back and together for the first time. And that was this little mention on Oak Shannon's notes on the bottom of one page, there's quotes and in parentheses that says A T P and then 10 spelt out. Well, Tom and Melinda and the hermetic penetrator all immediately ran to like the Wilson documents because down at the bottom of those documents, you see it says AP dash 10. So we are linking that as the same advanced physics 10. We are still kind of questioning what the 10 means or if it means who 10 of them or, you know, that's kind of out there that we're trying to figure out. And then one thing that Grant was also, we did, um, we pre-recorded something earlier before we joined Space Out Radio and he and Melinda, I guess, have still been talking like we've all been chatting and we were working on this part or they were working on this part concerning, um, well, I'll just read Grant's quote cause it's up on his Facebook. It says Oak Shannon briefed Admiral Thomas Wilson on Eric Davis and the top secret advanced theoretical physics working group looking at UFOs headed up by John Alexander and held at the BDM Secure Facility in Virginia in 1985. This was kind of interesting to Melinda and Grant because this is the part of the Wilson Davis notes where Miller is talking with Mr. Oak Shannon. And he says, he says, T.W., Miller can give good advice on which defense companies to look at. That's all he knows. Changes subject. And then these are bullet points of Oak speaking with Admiral Wilson. Oak told all about J.A., meaning Oak was informing Wilson all about John Alexander. And here in parentheses, it says, don't trust J.A., a liar. AP 10 group meetings at BDM. So we can look at BDM. It's also mentioned in Bloom's book out there. Direct auto insurance is for uncompromisers. The people who refuse to make trade-offs in life. Like Kelly, when her old car insurance got so expensive that she couldn't afford to drive anymore, do you think she started carrying her groceries for miles? No, but she did find Direct Auto's savings that allowed her to drive instead of compromise. With savings of up to 25%, you too can stop compromising and keep driving. Get a quote today at directauto.com. Savings based on applied discounts and will vary. Terms apply. How you buy can affect price. National General Group, Winston-Salem. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Adobe, Pepsi, and Home Depot, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. 
Listen to this insight from Stanley Druckenmiller, the greatest investor of all time. If you love what you do, first of all, your work ethic is going to be fantastic. You're just going to be better at something if you enjoy it than if you don't enjoy it. And this from Brian Cornell, the CEO of Target. I think you've got to balance short-term with long-term. And you've got to have a conviction that the things you're doing, your investments, your strategy, over time, you're making the right investments and right decisions for your brand and your business. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. Which is where they kind of mention the UFO working group. So that's another book lead we can chase down. And then the next bullet point says, references Bloom book. And then Oak briefed me on the whole BDM thing. Talked about RV program for 10 minutes. I know some something of this RV. So again, this is Oak talking to Admiral Wilson, and he briefed him on the whole BDM thing. Well, what is the BDM thing? We're now sort of suspecting that the BDM thing has kind of was going down with what Wilson was dealing with. He was trying to investigate. He was asking these questions. He was sending it up the pipeline and he was getting doors slammed in his face. He was getting told no. This, I believe, is similarly to what has happened at BDM, where they were trying to get information and they couldn't. They were getting told no. So what Grant and Melinda and maybe I a little bit, Tom, you threw in on this a little earlier slightly with us. But we're now thinking that Oak was telling Wilson about the whole BDM thing, comparing it to the trials and tribulations he was having with these probes that he was doing investigating this. And then they talk about the RV program, and he knows something about the RV program. Well, Oak Shannon probably would know something about the remote viewing program, And then this is the part where we've been discussing Oak kind of filled Admiral Wilson in that, yes, Eric Davis is a good guy. Talk to Eric Davis. So Oak said EWD was a team player, would keep mouth shut, no media connections, obey all restrictions, not in the government, no clearances, but pedigree excellent, professional and personal references very excellent. So this kind of now seems like Wilson was seeking out Eric Davis to maybe hear more about BDM. And we've kind of always approached this as Wilson was seeking, or I'm sorry, that Davis was seeking out Wilson. So we've just kind of flipped the script on the Wilson documents, and we're going to try to take it from this angle for a little while and see how far we get. All right, we got a great panel for you tonight on Spaced Out Radio as we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Researchers Nicole Sackage, Tom Whitmore, Katie Page from UAP Studies. We have Jason Gilmet from the After Hours Show. We got Grant Baker, all fine and looking great as we get ready for the second half hour. When we return, was Bob Lazar a janitor on Spaced Out Radio? All right, we're clear. There we go. You're lucky I saw that. 
I was reading intently. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, oh, you did great. No, I've just been talking for five days straight. <laughs> no, it's good to hear it because I've uh, I keep reading about it on Twitter and stuff like that. But to actually hear it all, you know, sort of uh, laid out like that, that's good to hear. Um, because I did not keep up with it this week. I took a break from, or trying to take a break from Twitter and all the jazz is going on. But so, yeah, it's great to hear. Good recap. Oh, thanks. I know. I think the earliest clocked in time for going through all of it is four hours. Oh, wow. Four and a half hours. And that's not watching everybody's interviews and videos that they've given. Just trying to go through the notes all three sets of these notes kind of side by side, Wilson Davis, Oak, and Back. So right. And and Nicole, what does BTM what what does that stand for? Um, we have to look that up real quick because it's in the part of my notes that I don't have. It's it's a group meeting meeting at BDM. It's a okay. business. Tom it sounds like a, a, a Pornhub category or something, you know? No. <laughs> You're into BDM or something. So. And when, when you talk about John Alexander, are you talking about our UFO John Alexander? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And what does he say about these? What He's been saying a lot of stuff, I think, behind the scenes to people that are asking him. But he hasn't come out with a public statement as far as I know. I but in the past, I why. well, Katie, he's written the book. Um, he's written a couple books on it, but one of them is the uh, things I, whatever, Didn't things that shouldn't exist but do. <laughs> and there's <laughs> another book of interest. Like he has written about the advanced physics theoretical group. Mm-hmm. Said that wrong. <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, he also at the, well. he also said at the SCU uh, when asked a direct question yeah. about it that uh, he pointed right to Eric Davis at the SCU conference and said you should talk to him about it. Hmm. Like trying yeah. to drag the answer out of out of Davis, and apparently Davis went very red after uh, Alexander had pointed to him. You guys, I honestly think. <clears throat> Davis holds like the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> He's who I get excited over when they talk about amnesty. It's like I want I want to hear what Eric Davis has to say. <laughs> I really do. Maybe it's yeah, I don't know why him, him and obviously how put off those two and <laughs> everybody else would be great, but those would those two names would solve a lot for us, I think. <laughs> mhm. I agree. Anybody else's thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Where I used to work, BDM meant business development manager. Mm. Yeah. Tom, what does BDM stand for? The meeting at BDM? Hold on a second. It stands for Braddock, Dunn, and McDonald, a longtime defense contractor of 7,000 employees purchased by TRW Inc. in the mid-1990s. There you go. Braddock, Dunn, McDonald, BDM Group. Do you think people that work on these crafts, like in secrecy, get like dental, medical, like do they, you know, is there like a union? (laughs) Do they unionize? Yeah, right? They get the best. They get the best, exactly. (laughs) You keep your mouth shut and we'll get you the primo stuff, yeah. You'll have the whitest teeth. 
<laughs> Even after you retire, you get to take it all with you. From, you know. Yeah. From what I heard, <laughs> that. From what I heard at my uh, from my Area Fifty One source, that the minute you board that plane to take a job at Area Fifty One, you were making six figures, nice. and you get very well nice. taken care of, very well fed, uh, and. If you're somebody who has to go there for weeks at a time, you are very well taken care of. Okay. For anybody listening that's doing any hiring, I will keep my mouth shut. Hey, <laughs> I I know they have to eat out there. They, there has to be like a cafeteria somewhere. I, I'm more than willing and able in any position in food craft services. They have, <laughs> right. they have that is a good point. Even They even yeah. have like... The, from what I heard, they have like a steakhouse there. They have bars and grills. Like there's a, a few restaurants there, and uh, and apparently, apparently they're not going to take the Janet jet to go to McDonald's. Like, <laughs> well, you also got to understand that jet goes there every single day, and so right. it's nothing for them just to load a bunch of stuff in the bottom of it, and when it gets there, they, they just unload they all the food in. and everything. Well, at one like point, the caterers. All right, guys, we got Cater to, on in. Okay, we got uh, five seconds. Thank you, Thomas Pascal times two. Dirt Road, Big Dog, Vaughn, and Hank. Here we go with the second half hour. Second half hour of Space Down Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Second half hour of the roundtable tonight, we are joined by an incredible, knowledgeable panel. Tom Whitmore from researching MJ-12, researcher and author Nicole Sackage from After Hours on our YouTube channel. Grant Baker from UAP Studies Podcast, Jason Gilmet, and researcher and MUFON member for Colorado, Katie Page. Now, the next topic, we're going to have some fun with this one because, once again, the debate about Bob Lazar got stirred up again this month. And this time, it was by a gentleman named Travis Taylor, literally one of the smartest people in ufology. He's got like 97 degrees and masters and doctorates. I mean, the guy is brilliant. He is the top scientist on the television show for the Skinwalker Ranch and at Skinwalker Ranch. But a month ago, we were talking about him with his little secret about also working for Space Force. And that Brandon Fugel had just found out, the owner of Skinwalker Ranch. But now, Travis Taylor goes and speaks at an event called Phenomenicon. Phenomenicon. And he goes up on stage, and he starts talking about Bob Lazar, the gentleman who in 1989, if you don't know, came out and said that he worked on alien spacecraft at Area 51 at a little base near Papoose Lake called s Four. 
and this has been highly controversial and contested. Well, Taylor came out and said Bob Lazar did work at Area 51, but was a janitor. A janitor. All right. Katie Page, we're going to start with you on this one. Where do you sit with this? You would. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I've been back and forth on Bob Lazar, too. Um, I tend to to believe that I, I, I don't think there's any doubt he was out there and that he knows some things. Now, did he take that and elaborate it and just ride the train? I don't know. Um, You know, element 115, wasn't that, didn't somebody say that that's just the natural progression of things? Like it wasn't a big stretch to come up with that. Is that correct? Have you heard that? Or I know Grant shaking his head no. But I'm just saying because I tried to look at both sides of the coin and I thought that was one of the arguments about that. Does anybody know? Tom, do you know anything about that? Well, Lazar claimed that, or he said that the area or the element 115 has to be extracted from like neutron stars or something like that. And then scientifically, I think that element 115 exists, but only only for a fraction of a second, like in a cyclotron or something like that. Yeah, it's got to be pulled out of Moscovium, I believe. Yeah, Moscovia. Right. Well, big so, words. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it's it was discovered for real in the Soviet Union, correct? Or in Russia? They they were the yes. ones who made this little element and they've called it Muscovia. Yes. Or then 115 because it's the Next 115th one, one discovered. Yeah. So, right. And, right. And, yeah. and it's highly, highly um, combustible. It doesn't last long. Yeah. Unless you've figured out a way to stabilize it, which is what Bob Lazar was saying. They haven't figured that out yet. And then he says that he escaped with some or has some. So if it doesn't last very long, how could you go out with it? Or is he meaning the residualness of having it. He was a janitor taking out the train. Yeah, that is a question. I mean, it is kind of compelling. He did have his house like ramsacked and I mean, well, doesn't nap don't him and nap like joke that it's behind him somewhere in the interview that they're giving like (laughs) in the thermos or, you know, I don't know what it's. I'm drinking it. Oh, wait, I will say I got an envelope. I have to correct this situation, though. When you go back and listen to what Travis Taylor said in Phenomenomen Necronomicon or whatever, (laughs) he does not say he was a janitor. He says he suspects he was something like a janitor. janitor. So people are making that sound like it's a dig though too and that kind of irks me cuz you know i'm the one in our community that goes i'm just a cook you know like i'm just a cook so who cares if he was just a janitor he was still out there and janitors tend to have keys to everything they have to clean up after everybody else that doesn't give a crap if they make a mess so they have access to everything it's like in the breakfast club, they're the eyes and the ears of the institution. Like in the breakfast club, right, Nicole? They're the eyes and the ears of the institution. They know it all. <laughs> I've worked in schools with my position. And yeah, 
school cooks, lunch ladies, janitors, maintenance people. That's right. They know it all. They know it all. Well, if you're the CEO CEO of the company, the janitor knows you're going to get fired before you do. That's right. See? So I hope Bob Lazar was a janitor. (laughs) Well, let's get back to it because this is a debate that continues to persist to this day. And Grant, I know you have a lot you want to say on this topic regarding Bob Lazar. I mean, look, we can discuss a debate. Did he really work there? My source at Area 51 says Bob Lazar is the biggest joke on the base because nobody knows if he worked there, the long timers say we don't recall him. The short timers aren't sure whether or not to believe the legend. But we also have to remember that Lazar only was there for about six weeks. He's not going to get to know everybody. Even those people who have been there 35, 40 years are not going to remember somebody there for six weeks. It's like working any job, you know, whether it's, it doesn't matter what you do. Somebody's there a short time. If they're a short timer, you're going to forget them pretty quick, Grant. You're on mute, Grant's Grant. Grant's on mute. So it's always got to be me every single time. So real, real quick, let me just put this in perspective for everybody to make it really simple. The program was so compartmentalized that if you're walking down the hall and you're only there for six weeks, nobody's going to remember who you are. Your sources say he's a joke, and he was a janitor. Where in the world have you ever seen a janitor that has degrees as a scientist, a real scientist, who has put jet propulsion in a Honda? Like, the guy was brought there for a reason. He's He was a propulsion guy, and he loved it. He's still a scientist. He lives 25 minutes away from me. And realistically, you don't put a scientist as a janitor. That's just, we'll just throw that in there. Not too long back, Richard Dolan has a list of people that work there. So his big thing was, and it was asked of him, is Bob Lazar on that list? And yes, he is on that list. He has been found in other ways to be there in like a directory, stuff like that. So whether he was there or not, I'm I'm a firm believer that he was. Obviously, he was there. He had very interesting information on Element 115. Now, Element 115, I think it was 2003 when it was finally discovered, the isotope. It was 288 over 115. They had discovered 1314. But before that, that 2003, you got to understand, Bob Lazar made these claims in the 80s. To Yeah, it is the natural procession. You know, you go through the elements as you find them, and they keep getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And the isotope for element 115 is a pretty heavy element. When it becomes unstable as quickly as it does, now there's different ways, and I'm not going to get into the science of it, but element 115 can be broken down into a whole bunch of different you know, isotopes, the way it works. And we just haven't figured out exactly how to do that yet. So the microsecond that it actually existed and we detected it is great. But for someone to be making claims of element 115 back in the 80s is kind of telling, to me at least. I mean, I can sit there and say, hey, I got visited by a gray last night and they're telling me that 127 is the one that feels everything. And they get it out of some planet and some star system somewhere. And of course, you know, 
10, 15 years from now, we're going to have element 127, which could be nothing in a bus. And of course, who knows? But I believe that Bob Lazar was there. His story has never changed. He didn't want this. It was like it, it ruined his life, just kind of like other people that were in the field that didn't want it. You know, I can talk about a few Travis's that were, you know, one named Walton that it kind of took over his life. He didn't want this kind of publicity. Same thing with Lazar, you know, the hand scanning equipment. He was showed a picture of one that was found at, at, at a base. And he says, where'd you get this? And it was years later. And I think it was Jeremy Corbell that showed him that picture. And he just started laughing and stared at it. And you can see the emotion in this guy's face. It was a legit reaction that he had to see that picture. And he's like, that's it. That's exactly what I've been trying to explain to people. There was no writing on that paper. It was just a picture of the hand scanner and he knew it and he had drawn it before as well. These are all telling things. People want to pick this man apart. Go for it. He's been picked apart to death for the last 20 years. I believe 100%. You're going to pick on the person that either likes you the most or who, you know what I mean? Or in this particular case, you're being picked on the public and I think it's unwarranted. All right, I want to go to Tom Whitmore here regarding this story. But, Tom, I want to look at it from a different angle. You know, Travis Taylor saying he didn't have a position, he being Bob Lazar, didn't have a position much more than maybe janitorial duties. There's been others who have come out, whether it's Elizondo or Mellon, saying that uh, Lazar's story is completely bogus. I mean, we've seen these these ringers of the U.S. government coming out and really talking against Bob Lazar, yet George Knapp and KLAS has never retracted their report on it, and that's something that media outlets do, into indeed do, if they get a story wrong. They've never had uh, any, um, how can we put it, lawsuits filed against them. Lazar has never retracted his story on what he says. Looking at from it from the other perspective, why do you think many of these fellow scientists and people involved are still discussing Lazar to this day trying to discredit whether or not he worked at Area 51. I mean, this is 33 years in the making now. Well, like so much in the UFO field, and especially with the more controversial parts like uh, crash recoveries. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Adobe, Pepsi, and Home Depot, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. Listen to this insight from Stanley Druckenmiller, the greatest investor of all time. If you love what you do, first of all, your work ethic's going to be fantastic. You're just going to be better at something if you enjoy it than if you don't enjoy it. And this from Brian Cornell, the CEO of Target. I think you've got to balance short-term with long-term. And you've got to have a conviction that the things you're doing, your investments, your strategy, over time, you're making the right investments and right decisions for your brand and your business. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. When was the last time you totally logged off and took all of your vacation days? Well, Michelob Ultra Pure Gold can help with a little PTO. That's paid time outdoors. 
Pure Gold has a PTO experience that will help you get away from every ping. Go to MichelobUltra.com slash PTO to request your PTO for a chance to win a trip for four to an amazing remote destination. Enjoy responsibly. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 plus void were prohibited. Enter by 10-14-22. For official rules, visit MichelobUltra.com slash contest dash rules. And, and back engineering and alien bodies and all that, what we get is a lot of contradictory information. And I have to just keep an open mind, but take everything with a grain of salt in general, but particularly about uh, Lazar, because uh, the information is contradictory. On the one hand, he's, he's claimed to have advanced degrees, you know, MIT and, and uh, jet propulsion laboratory type stuff and yet doesn't have any documentation to, to back it up. And, and uh, now he has shown up in the phone book at, at Los Alamos, but the talk on the street is that he worked for a contractor. He, he was more of an, an electronics technician, like uh, installing phone systems or satellite dishes or something like that. So, uh, and he was, if he was at, at uh, S4, he, he was there very briefly, like you said, Dave, so it's not surprising that people don't remember him. He hasn't changed his story basically over the years, and he de- he doesn't seem to be a publicity hog at all. He uh, he only reluctantly comes out for interviews. He's he's not working the, you know, the uh, UFO speaking circuit like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And but he is a controversial character. Uh, I think he was installing a security system for a for a, uh, a house of prostitution which kind of aligns with people saying that he was more of an electronics technician type. So maybe, uh, maybe if he was hired at area 51 in S4, he was hired for the very reason that he had a kind of a checkered background and and he was something of an odd duck when it comes to science. Well, that is something that we are always going to discuss and debate unless a list actually does come out. I mean, look, the education, We here's where I get stuck, okay? If you look at the education, Jason, regarding, you know, Bob Lazar allegedly being at MIT and, and uh, Caltech, and there's no records of him being registered at either of those schools, okay? I can buy that in two ways. Number one, they erased his records, that Lazar says. And many say, or number two, he didn't go there. However, where I'm leaning towards the fact that his education was swiped is we saw the Pentagon and Susan Goff, who is the spokesperson for the Pentagon, start doing the exact same thing to Luis Elizondo and his emails. And we saw that. And it was public that they were trying to erase who he was. So now I'm 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 lost. I I've here's the thing with Lazar. Liz, I've always been an advocate for him because he put things on the map that weren't on the map before, right? And again, like I said, how did he know that in the middle of the desert on a you know Wednesday night at seven thirty, people would see a UFO flying? How would he know that? How did he know about S four? How did he know about the plane landing? Um, People want to keep this stuff secret. And this is one of the biggest, if not the most serious uh, topic, you know, for this underground uh, organizations that are in charge of these programs. They're obviously going to spend money to have people be good at their jobs and erase your past, especially when the past, you know, back then was all paper trails. 
it's very easy to get rid of a few files and make somebody look like an idiot. Nowadays, it'd be harder to do because there's a digital trace. But back then, it's it's possible. You think about how many people have had visitations from people like, you know, men in black telling people to shut up. Otherwise, they'll ruin their lives and stuff like that. Obviously, there's a program that, you know, it, people are, are, are made to do this for a living. And they did that to Bob Lazar. They're doing that to um, Lou Elizondo, trying to discredit people, trying to make them look like fools. So then we all turn around and go, okay, well, story over. Let's look the other way. And I, I think that's, you know, Lazar will eventually be, um, I wouldn't say vindicated, but at least we're all going to owe him an apology for saying maybe you were right along. Even if he was a janitor, if he was a janitor, that is one hell of a position to hold. I mean, I would still listen to him, you know, if he was there for six weeks. Obviously, he saw the crafts fly. He's able to draw what the crafts look like on the inside and outside, how they operate. If he's just sitting there making this stuff up, he's either one of the, one of the best con men that's ever happened, or two, he's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, my source at Area Fifty One stated that a lot of people around the base knew when the testing was going to happen because they had to have it on certain nights in order right. to make sure that everybody was in preparation from the firefighters all the way up to the commanders and and the, uh, the the people conducting the test studies. They needed to know on certain nights when the testing was going on just for safety and protocol of the base. You know, so I can see where it would be very easy for Lazar to to maybe not see anything but say, hey, Wednesday nights they are doing these tests at 7.30 p.m. when the, when the, it starts getting dark and if he is not a scientist, everything is going to look like a UFO. And yet, right. if you talk to people who've worked there, they will tell you that Lockheed Martin and Boeing and Raytheon and all of the big companies have these secret bases out. And when they are out testing, everybody else has to go into hiding on the base because that's part of the rules because you can't see what the other one is testing. And they go out and they do their tests of things that are way ahead of our time. And that's how we, as the people who are not in the know, believe it's a UFO. Katie, what's your thoughts? Uh, I think that's still going on today, as a matter of fact. I don't know if people saw my Facebook post, but I captured some really unusual lights. I was taking my puppy out at 4.30 in the morning, and they were coming down. I really thought they were asteroids. Next next day, I find out it's all over the Colorado Springs news. And then the next day, they're like, oh, mystery solved. Somebody... Um, photographed close up these top secret jets that were flying out of um, Air Force Academy. The two videos don't match whatsoever. It was almost like they're still trying to cover something up, right? So, um, and actually, if you go out to um, Area 51 today, which I've done with Doug Wilson a few times, you know, we've had our adventures out there, and um, you go into the little alien, and there's still the nights. I think Wednesday night is one of the nights that people know those are the test nights. So, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I see all sides of it. So, um, you know, I tend to believe him as well. I mean, I, I do think he was out there, no doubt, but. And, and, yeah. and, and just, just to say, you know, in, in his defense, his wife was cheating on him 
while he was working at Area 51 or at, at, at yeah, S4, she was uh, with a, a pilot that she was learning lessons from how to fly and stuff like that. Anyways, yeah. so they knew that this was going to happen. This is why they didn't bring him in. And, you know, he was starting to panic and stuff like that. It was a panic. It was a reaction that made him come out. Uh, that reaction wouldn't be there if the pressure wasn't there to begin with, right? So, I need to add something. Um, Jimmy Jimmy Church had Richard Doty on on in September fourteen, and Doty it was Doty that claimed that he had he and his group, whoever they are, had a printout of everyone that worked at Area fifty one between nineteen eighty and nineteen ninety, and that Bob Lazar was on the list. Now they haven't produced that list yet. It'll be interesting to see if they do. Hmm. And that Again. is true. <laughs> I mean, I guess Richard Doty's coming out and trying to, to, you know, be a honest, upfront guy now, right? I mean, I, I just have a hard time believing <laughs> Richard Doty. Let me, let me <laughs> add one more part to the Bob Lazar thing, though, that I've always found interesting like did he know he was gonna get fired or let go or quit and or in light of him maybe being a janitor like position was it maybe really like a temporary position where he was going out there and installing something like a camera system a speaker system you know whatever so we would have seen all this stuff Know when the things are, and he's all like, "Yeah, I got to get all this stuff before I'm leaving. I'm done with my job." Or was this a position where he could have potentially stayed there to maintain something, and then when all of this character-driven stuff started happening, that's when they were like, "Out." Well, he was. Did kind of seem like he was interviewed by EG and G. Yeah. I think he may have been, if he was there, he was probably employed by EG&G. Yeah. Who was a major contractor there at, yeah. at the time. And he said that yeah. he would get random hours. Like, you know, they'll call him up at three o'clock in the morning saying, get ready, be at the airport in an hour. And he had to be there. Oh. And it was just, it was so sporadic and, and you know, right. spontaneous that you know they keep people off their guards. And he said, even the person that gave him the medical exam when he first uh, arrived there, he asked her a few questions she, in, about what uh, she was administering to him, and, and she said, I don't know. I just see oh, people like, give him the shot, and I don't know. Like Nobody oh knew God. anything from anything. Even he was so compartmentalized right. that the partner that he had in there, uh, you know, they could only talk to each other. They weren't allowed mm-hmm. to talk to anybody else. It's just you work on this, and that's it. Nothing else. You don't ask well, any questions. So... Yeah, what would bring somebody out there so sporadically at different times? Like, I know when I worked for a school district and it was multiple buildings across like an entire campus, you know, they would shut down one building or only work on it at night when students or faculty wasn't in it. So wouldn't that make sense of flying out at night? Could be. Our panel of Katie Page... Jason Gilmad, Tom Whitmore, Nicole Sackage, and Grant Baker continues on Spaced Out Radio's Roundtable. When we return, does anybody really care about the paranormal anymore? Seems to have gone silent on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're clear. So 
I got to real quick say, I just made a mistake on exactly how close Bob Lazar is. I just looked up where he's at and what he's doing. He is literally six minutes <laughs> from, from where, is he, really? from where is I he, live. Wow. Is he I listening can, to us? <laughs> no. He needs to walk through his front yard right now and broadcast live from I can, sidewalk in front of his house. No. Okay. I can literally Next drive door. my car to his place of business in literally maybe seven, eight minutes. Yeah. Like it's that close. And he sells scientific realize. supplies now. Under right? so, if anybody wants to know what it is, it's uh, United Nuclear. So, if any anybody follows him on Instagram, he actually started posting a year and a half, two years ago, about starting a business over in my neck of the woods, and mm. he did it. And I looked it up, and sure as snot, it is here. And I'm like, holy moly, this guy's close. So, guess is who's going to try to take my business down to his business and be like, hey. You guys need a carpet cleaning? <laughs> yeah. High five. Are you, high five. Are you in Oregon, Grant? Is, yes, where, are you, where are you? I am in Klamath Falls, Oregon. Oregon. That's what I thought. Yep. Fairly close to me. Mm-hmm. You're just north of me, I think. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver. Yep. Just outside Vancouver. Yeah. Yep. And that's, so I got family in Camas. So I can be up there with you. In Kamloops? Camas. Oh, Camas. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No, it's, uh, there's a lot of people that come out here this way, so it's it's, it's kind of cool. I live in a hot spot too. It's quite nice to live out here. There's always some sort of activity going on. So, Tom, when we take our Canada, our graded Canadian adventure, we should ask we should um, ask Jason to join us when we egg in TP Dave's house. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we got to stop by Grant's house first and pay, pay, pay for his house. You got it. When when is this Katie Canadian adventure taking place? You want in on it? We're gonna we're well, going to rent a big party van to drive through Canada. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, in. We're gonna, get, we're gonna get a school bus and paint it psychedelic. Nice, <laughs> nice hippie bus to Canada. You get on right. the bus. You talk to people. You believe in UFOs, man? Hey, yeah. dude. And then the rumors will really start. Yeah, <laughs> I wear I wear shirts like this when I'm working. Right, nice. And I got a whole bunch of them. And Dave even asked me one day, "How many freaking paranormal shirts do you have?" A lot. And uh-huh. that's that's actually what I use to to talk to get people started talking about their experiences and then i started talking about sor my experiences and blah 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 and it, it really gets the ball rolling for anybody that's listening right now or watching the chats i'm gonna go ahead and post up united nuclear so you guys can see exactly where bob lazar works nice Grant, do you find that I'll most right people back. you talk to have experiences that's what i have found mm-hmm. you know what's really interesting is the older population that i work with here have come around uh, one gal who's probably in her 70s just literally started talking to me about it like i've seen grays and that i'm like this lady's old enough to be my grandma and she's talking about this is awesome and then i told her about <laughs> spaced out radio and she watches all the archives she doesn't have time to watch it she's usually asleep at seven so the next yeah. day she watches it but uh hey grant yeah, she's at bingo Grant Baker, if I send you these two links to the uh, two points that I discussed to Grants, can you add them to Space Out Radio or drop them in? Absolutely. Send them to me. So they could see what we were. 
kind of breaking and discussing today. I'm sending it to your messenger. Thank you. Not a problem. If you want to just do like pull the picture from it, that would be good too. Like the clip. Yeah, I can do that. Holy moly. It'll give reference. I like that. So appreciated. You are more than welcome. You should have seen me and Tom watching me trying to figure out my share screen (laughs) yesterday and today. (laughs) It was kind of awful, wasn't it, Tom? I'm not very good at the whole share this, pull up that, transfer to, you know... (laughs) You're not any worse than a lot of people I've seen on YouTube trying to do it. <laughs> you know. Well, and see, I think they're better at closing the windows and shrinking them. And I'm just, I need to sit around and do it more, I guess. I'm just <laughs> worried about the talking and <laughs> not the production side of it. <laughs> so for everybody in the chat, Spaced Out Radio just posted those links up for you that Nicole Sackage was talking about. I'd go ahead and either copy and paste them into your browser and you can go right to them. Thank you. Thank you. you Hi, YouTube chat room. Giggles, Julie. I know you're in there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not one to criticize Nicole because I have enough trouble trying to email a G uh, email, a, a, a Google doc. Well, I think a lot of my problem is I'm I don't sync a lot of my technology and when I'm here at my laptop, I don't want like all the messengers going off or even I don't even have Facebook on my laptop cuz I don't want to be tempted to open it up and get sidetracked. So I do have to kind of transfer things and share when I know I should sync. <laughs> so it makes it difficult <laughs> if I'm not organized. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we got about 20 seconds. I want to say a big thank you to Thomas, Pascal times two, Dirt Road, Big Dog, Jeffrey, Dutch Hank, and Vaughn for the Super Chats. Oh, hey, Clam. How you doing? And uh, remember, we got some good stuff coming up on Spaced Out Radio with the weekend crew, Jessica Jones, right before After Hours, starting at 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 p.m. Eastern. Here we go, everyone. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello, everyone who is listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Glam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Lacuscular. Lacuscular is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our SOR roundtable that we do at the end of each month 
has kicked on in. We are joined by UAP Studies podcast host Jason Gilmet from the After Hours Show and Spaced Out Radio on our YouTube channel. Grant Baker, Katie Page from MUFON in Colorado, Tom Whitmore, researcher of MJ12, and researcher and author Nicole Sackage. We're going to get into a little bit of fun here. I know most of us are UFO people, and this show is mainly about UFOs and a lot of cryptid talk, but I love the paranormal. I do. I mean, I have my issues with it, but it just seems like over the last year or two, is anybody really talking paranormal stuff anymore? Does anybody really care about ghost television, even though the ratings, especially for Ghost Adventures with Zach Baggins and his crew are still very high? I mean, you go back when I started this show in 2014, and holy cow, is that a long time ago? Can't believe we're coming up on eight years already. Uh, everything was paranormal. Everything was about ghosts. Nobody cared about UFOs. And now, if I look at our own ratings on a nightly basis, if I do a UFO show, we're in the thousands of listeners. If I do a show on paranormal, it's literally cut in half our audience. What is going on with the paranormal these days, Grant? I'll tell you right now, I, I was a big fan of watching paranormal quite a few years back. It was either, you know, paranormal this, paranormal that, you know, especially with Zach. There was also one where you could, you see these people with the camera facing them and it's all night vision. They had these tasks to do in these weird places. It was fun. It was a lot of fun to watch these people get creeped out and just spook <laughs> and show exactly how yellow you turn when you go into a dark place that you're unaware of what's happening and i think some of it was set up but in fact probably most of it was the thing was is even back then you know people still were doing ufo research but it just wasn't being televised over the media then once 2017 gets involved when things kind of blew out of the water so to speak that's when it started ramping up and then of course you know, the paranormal has been around for decades. Uh, gosh, probably even more than that. There's ancient books written about this stuff. It's been around too long, but the thing that's the hot topic is what people follow. And right now the hot topic. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Adobe, Pepsi, and Home Depot, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. Listen to this insight from Stanley Druckenmiller, the greatest investor of all time. If you love what you do, first of all, your work ethic is going to be fantastic. You're just going to be better at something if you enjoy it than if you don't enjoy it. And this from Brian Cornell, the CEO of Target. I think you've got to balance short-term with long-term. And you've got to have a conviction that the things you're doing, your investments, your strategy, over time, you're making the right investments and right decisions for your brand and your business. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. When was the last time you totally logged off and took all of your vacation days? Well, Michelob Ultra Pure Gold can help with a little PTO. That's paid time outdoors. Pure Gold has a PTO experience that will help you get away from every ping. Go to MichelobUltra.com PTO to request your PTO for a chance to win a trip for four to an amazing remote destination. Enjoy responsibly. 
No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 plus void were prohibited. Enter by 10-14-22. For official rules, visit megalobultra.com slash contest dash rules. Including the government are on UAPs, UFOs, and aliens. So I think it's just it's just a trend. And right now we're on the same wagon as the UFO. Well, have we forgotten about ghosts? Because UFOs are the easiest one to right now prove, Katie? I got a ghost over my shoulder right there and in that corner. I actually started in the paranormal world and did some um, ghost hunts with the ghost hunters. And um, I still am very much interested in the paranormal and ghosts. And I agree with Grant. I think, you know, 2017, the trend, maybe everybody's just a little burnt out on ghost hunters. They've been on the air forever and they're kind of oversaturated the networks with the ghost shows. <laughs> There's only so many ghosts, but I'll tell you what, I'm 150,000% convinced that ghosts exist. Um, I've had so many experiences with them and I'm like 90% there on the UFOs. So I'm kind of still hungry. I think the UFO topic has more mystery and questions and intrigue and researchability and you can only research so much with ghosts <laughs> i agree well the interesting part about it is you know we all we all love to be spooked jason we all love to yes. be scared and you know like i'm going into the forest again tomorrow night uh you know because i need to go back to my sasquatch gifting site where the week previous we there was something there we didn't see it but there was something there that three of us felt was going to scare the daylights out of us. And we didn't leave within 20 feet of my vehicle. And for the 40 minutes we were there, I kept my vehicle running, you know, and the doors open because it, we just had that feeling, you know, but I got to go back. I need to go back. You know, it's this, it's this rush to make things, you know, like that. But when it comes to ghosts, do you think it maybe has something to do with the fact that for a long time there, the market was so oversaturated with ghost hunting teams and, and you know, claiming they're, they're conducting scientific experiments when you knew that the team, nobody had done a scientific experiment since high school. You know, I mean, the team skeptic on the website having to pose on an angle with his arms crossed, looking very stern and serious. You know, I mean, that's one of my favorites. You know, I mean, what do you think it is? What what has caused, outside of the UFO being the hot topic, what do you think has caused the demise in the popularity of paranormal? You know, I'm going to be honest. I think it's technology. Uh, even YouTube, you think about how many people have paranormal podcasts or shows that they do on a regular basis. My daughter watches a lot of YouTube and watches a lot of these ghost hunter things. And I just, I find it funny. Uh, because I don't find it really scientific. You know, people would be like, oh, my God, you guys, I just felt like a breeze go by my face. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure it was a ghost. I was like, no, that's not the way it works. Um, but I think that, you know, we're so inundated now with, you know, even I go on Facebook, it's all UAP stuff, all UFO stuff. I'm so fed up of it. It's like sometimes I don't even look at my Facebook. It's like I can't take it anymore. Like, you know, it's just I'm too much. I signed up to too much. Uh, but because of that, I think we, we start losing an interest in it. And ghosts are hard to prove, almost the same as UAPs. But UAPs, at least you have some 
uh, you know, some footage. And now we're starting to get some, you know, infrared stuff. And it's, it's kind of cool with ghosts. We still don't know what the secret recipe is. And I think people are sort of like, yeah, this is, we're, we, we've grown up with ghost stories and stuff like that. Ghost dad with uh, Bill Cosby. Um, you know, that really opened up my mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember that movie. Um, yeah. That's when Bill Cosby was still good. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I think that it is technology that's killing uh, the paranormal. Uh, even I don't understand this. Every time there's a Bigfoot or UAP, somebody starts shaking the camera. <laughs> you know, like and, and, and trying to zoom in and then they just zoom in on a bird. And it's like, what? I don't understand why people go nuts and go, look, I have irrefutable proof. It's like, no. And the, the Internet's full of that stuff. So I, I think, yeah, the interest is starting to wane a bit. You know, one of the things that upsets me about paranormal television that really turned me off is you, you'd all of a sudden hear that one of the, the investigators. Did you hear that? Well, no, I couldn't hear it because your sound guy turned up his bloody music louder than the sound that was coming through. How am I supposed to hear that? Or did you see that? Well, what did I see? You know, the Dust orbs the flying by the camera. Nothing. But, yeah. I mean, the idea behind it is when you do the same show, I mean, I mean, it's like that old saying about insanity. The, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I see that with every paranormal television show. You know, they don't want to admit when they do catch something because they got to be so skeptical, right? They When they don't catch anything, they tell the person, no, it's not haunted. Well, geez, you spent a total of 12 hours of filming for a television show I don't think you can call ghosts on command to come on in. I mean, it just, I, I, I just think that people caught on to the BS of ghost hunting. I'm not saying the phenomena isn't real. I've had numerous experiences. My house is haunted. Okay. This studio is haunted, right? Tom, let's get your opinion. Dave, I have a plan on how to get ghosts back on the front burner. Okay. <laughs> nice. Military people are seeing ghosts in during military exercises. You have um, a, you have a Lou Elizondo type yeah. who comes out and says that the government is not paying enough attention to ghosts and that he's he's been told that they're demonic. Then you have Congress passing laws demanding to know what DOD knows about ghosts. Then they'll be back on the front burner. Wait. They have to be a threat. That's true. That's true. You can work that into the language somewhere. That's when you cross into poltergeist and demons. And see, this is crossing over into UFOs. But I don't want to cut off Grant Baker because honestly, Tom's usually the one that brings a lot of common sense to any situation. And I'm I might be the common sense one, so I want to go last. <laughs> Grant, it's your turn. <laughs> well, you know, with my experience with ghosts, I, I've actually had plenty of experiences with them, and especially when I was younger, all the way up until you know my twenties and stuff. Now the things that I see are like shadow people and the shimmering beings that I've talked about before. But when it came to ghosts, I've never found them demonic. I've, the ones that I've come across were more playful. Now, when you're 
you know, young child, they don't seem very playful. But then once I started getting used to them being around, listening to the stories, you know, I think they follow family members, stuff like that. It might just be a genetic thing. Who knows? The the one thing when it comes to ghosts, whether they come back into the limelight or not, I agree with Tom. You know, you got to make it some sort of front page news. If it hits the New York Times, then people are going to start paying attention to that again. It's, it's like dangling a carrot out with a stick. You know, you're going to lead the populace wherever the media goes and whatever the hot topic is. Do I believe in ghosts? Yeah, I really do. I don't think you can call them. I've been kind of creeped out by the ghost box, the little box that does all those chatter and you can ask it questions stuff. I don't really dig those. They kind of creep me out, but really, you know, honestly, they, I'm, I'm going to say they got kind of boring over time. It's just, is it boring or the fact grant that paranormal television or paranormal groups they're not solving anything and i think i think a big problem that we have in the paranormal is we have a bunch of weekend warriors who go out there and literally they just want the thrill they want to be tapped on the shoulder they want to see or grab a picture of a shadow being they want that evp because my my famous saying is this how do you confuse a ghost hunter ask them what they do with their evidence they do nothing and they do nothing with it they've never gotten actually a solid case of evidence i don't think you can go ghost hunting it's not like hunting hunting elk or anything like that realistically you know if you want to have some fun you put it on primetime tv like they've been doing especially back in the day the higher the numbers the more shows they're going to put out at that point it's all about money and then you get like Zach and his team out there. And of course, Zach's a, you know, a muscle bound dude, you know, with the hair. And then, you know, he, he looks good on TV. He's very articulate and excitable. And you, you get excited watching these guys. And that's all it was really about when you, when it comes to those shows. So how does, how do we track the ghosts then? Like, what is the purpose of it for me? I want to see people starting to try and figure out some of these major questions that we have. Is it life after death? Is it different timelines that we are intersecting with? Jason, what's your thoughts? I mean, what would improve ghost hunting to bring it more back into the popular landscape? Much like what Tom said, that we have to, uh, you know, get the government involved in this. Uh, I think on the Canadian side, we need to make the ghosts non-binary, and I think then uh, Justin Trudeau would take an interest in them and probably start investigating them, right? Yeah. Um, but besides that, I think it's – you need to actually <laughs> capture one. You know, you need to actually get irrefutable proof that they exist. Do I believe there's life after death or that people can get out of their bodies and see stuff? Yeah, we hear that all the time. Leslie King covered it. Uh, quite nicely in her documentary and I, I think yeah it's absolutely it's possible that we could live after you know death and that there could be ghosts <clears throat> but they're not very good at interacting with us and they're not very good at uh, showing themselves on film again like you mentioned like they'll have a little recorder like do you hear that do you hear that it's like, it just sounds like the fridge kicking in and they're like I said I think he says, help me. Um, and again, it's just, that's what these documentaries do. Uh, they just, they have no proof. They just like, oh, this was an amazing time. We finally proven that something lives here. It's like, no, you haven't. 
no, no more than the ufologists are, are, have proven that uh, UFOs are real. I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could prove they were real. The day's coming. Well, well what if they're all one of the... Go ahead, Grant. Apologies. I said, what if they're all one and the same with the ETs and the consciousness? You know, people see the shadow people. Yeah. Yeah, I'll jump right. in a little bit with this. I, they are looking at it. They have started looking at it from these angles. I'll just point out the recent most obvious is Bigelow's new, uh, what was it? Write me this thing and I'll give you a bunch of money to research it. It was all about near-death studies. So they're looking into that angle. We know they poke into UFOs because they they want to figure out the propulsion. So they want to figure out how these things pop in and pop out. We know we talk about aliens being able to appear, ET appearing. Well, certain people do track these things down because in the paranormal world or spiritualism world, you have physical mediums. Leslie Keen, right after she launched all her 2017 articles, what was the next article she wrote? It was about physical mediumship, going to visit this sitting circle where these hands manifested and she could feel the hand. It was physical. You could feel bones inside of it. There are sitting circles out there where physical manifestations come through. So they are looking at angles like this. People are studying these things. And then to wrap it up, I just want to give maybe this brief overall history of the spiritualism movement that we've seen in North America and probably at various times throughout history. And it was a really big deal during the Civil War when families were separated and loved ones couldn't be with other loved ones during their death. It was the first time, like, what is a good death? It really became known, like, a good death is when you're at home, at peace with your family. You know, not in some battlefield halfway across wherever and dying alone. It was very affecting to the population, and that's, you did get this upkick of wondering where your loved one was or if you could communicate with them. And you did see this rise of spiritualism. And that's where people like Madam, I always say her name wrong, Madam Botsvatsky. Yeah. And so that pushes us into the turn of the century, into the 1900s. And we did kind of have a full-blown spiritualist movement, you know, tipping tipping tables, sitting circles, seances. The and occult. that did kind of continue into our modern age where it is hokey with ghost hunter shows. But I think they're all hokey like that because they don't spend time in these true dedicated sitting circles or mediumship circles, which take decades sometimes or years of the same people coming together and working with these people that can manifest all these amazing things. Like I know right now in the world, there's only a limited number of what they call physical mediums that can produce the ectoplasm from their eyes or their 
everywhere almost, which is what is considered Leslie Keen wrote about the hands coming up. That was sort of an ectoplasm thing. But you hear about other circles where instruments get played and it's just all very strange, but it's also very relatable to UFO contact experiences. Like what's going on with this? Beans manifest, noises, sounds. It's a very interesting angle. Go back and read Leslie Kane's article, everybody. <laughs> well, you know what? We have two minutes to go before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. The roundtable continues tonight. I, I want to get into the idea, though, that the paranormal is a fun, fun aspect. Anybody can do it. Anybody can go out to a haunted location and potentially get evidence, you know. But I think the fact is, you know, I think too many people realized and too quickly that the paranormal was something that could get them on television. And I think maybe that was one of the big downfalls, Tom, that we saw with paranormal TV regarding the fact that everybody said they were getting a... a, uh, a shot at television they were they were getting their their six episodes done and created and they were going to be picked up and they were the next ones they were the ones that were going to go i think that's where part of this really really took flight and really really was the beginning of the end of its popularity you know i have a saying that uh the ufo people and this is a little bit off the paranormal topic but UFO people like to think that, that we're being monitored by the CIA or the Defense Department or the DIA or the NSA. But I'll tell you who monitors us, and that's Hollywood. They watch every single thing that we do, and they pick up on it, and that's how they develop these, these uh, you know, these uh, programs uh, like Ghost, Ghost Hunters and all that and UFO programs. And I think I think you all have already made the point. I mean, you, how many Ghost Hunters series are going to watch until you know it's it's kind of it's kind of run its course? That's a good point, though, Tom. <laughs> because if you go on television, it is all ghost television. How much UFO television is there? There really isn't a lot, considering what's going on. We have a lot of. Du- we have a lot. There's of, a lot. We have a lot. <laughs> I of, beg to differ on that. There's me, more. Me too. Okay, there's a lot of documentaries being made. No, no, who, no. Who, I can't they, turn they, on a single kid show streaming anything without four or five UFO shows on every single one. Really? Because up here, yeah. up here, we look don't get Look at Netflix, it. look at Amazon Prime, look at okay, Hulu. Say, I'm saying, I'm like, saying regular television, not... Not uh, downloadable apps. Who has that? Who has that? <laughs> well, believe, well, believe it or not, believe it or not, many of us do. When we come back from the break, one of our audience members, Sweet Donnie Cho, says, "How come no one talks about the Loch Ness monster anymore?" I think this is a good topic. There's more than just the Loch Ness monster that we are not talking about. We're going to get into those mystic monsters when we return on Spaced Out Radio with Katie Page, Tom Whitmore, Nicole Sackage, Jason Gilbert, and Grant Baker on the Mighty SOR. Stay tuned. I love Nessie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dirty, totally fake. Don't you? 
So real quick, I'm glad you said that because I have a, a very good friend of mine who is, you know, he's a doctor and I talked to him on a weekly basis and he was just over there two weeks ago. And what he told me was very interesting. We pretty much already know it, but yeah, I love Lock the nasty mess? stuff. That's where he was? Yeah. Yeah. He was there two weeks ago. Like Lock? Yeah. <laughs> He's, he even got the t-shirt and everything. <laughs> nice. Did he buy the little model that they floated out? They were like, it could have been a model. And it's just like the head on the little trolley looking thing. The head and neck. <laughs> yeah. Do they have those for sale? <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't be hard to make one i want one <laughs> now honestly i used to be fascinated with the loch ness monster when i was little it seemed to be like a big one that and then it went away for a while it was the the patterson Gim, gimlin bigfoot yeah. thing loch ness monster and then for me uh rindlesham forest and Roswell, you know, it was like those two that seemed like on every paranormal show, that's what you were going to get. <laughs> Real quick, National Geographic just did something about Loch Ness as well. Like just recently, like huh. real recently. So here we think we're disclosing UFOs and it's really going to be Loch Ness Monster. Is that what's going to happen? Nessie? I thought the Loch Ness Monster was put to bed. I thought that was done. I, yeah. <laughs> it. It is. It's put to bed. But it was, you got to admit, it was, a, it was a good, good story, good folklore. I think you know, have you guys good. seen? Oh, go ahead, Katie. I was going to say, have you seen this article, NASA scientists detect evidence of parallel universe where time runs backwards on a quantum level? Oh, I mean, it's it's over a month old, but has anybody else seen this? I was thinking with the paranormal shows, that's where they really need to go. They need to tie it into like quantum physics and really get down to how this is working. Just like the nuts and bolts of ufology. How are what is? When was the last time you totally logged off and took all of your vacation days? Well, Michelob Ultra Pure Gold can help with a little PTO. That's paid time outdoors. Pure Gold has a PTO experience that will help you get away from every ping. Go to MichelobUltra.com slash PTO to request your PTO for a chance to win a trip for four to an amazing remote destination. Enjoy responsibly. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 plus void or prohibited. Enter by 10-14-22. For official rules, visit MichelobUltra.com slash contest dash rules. Are we on? Welcome, my little ugly duckling, to your emergency makeover. Blue eyeshadow all over. Thirsty mermaid. Or lime green lips. We call this frog core. Now, go find your princess. Download Discovery. Wish. With Wish. This is a propulsion system. How how are ghosts coming in and out? Like, let's figure that out. I went and to stop, do, stop doing EVPs. <laughs> I got something for you. I had a uh, a television producer call me up because I help work on this television documentary that'll be coming up here on the Gold Rush Trail, which runs right by my house. And uh, we were talking television, and they want they're like, "What are we missing? What are we missing on this?" I said, "You want to know what you're missing?" And I said, "I have the show for you. I want to do this show." So a couple of weeks ago, uh, I actually got to sit down and have an hour-long conversation about 
about the program that I think is needed. And I've said it on this show before. I said, what is needed is we need somebody to go to all of these, take a hop in a motor home with a team and travel to all of these small little towns that have their own legends and folklore and investigate them. Because if we don't, those stories are going to be forgotten eventually. Right. Eventually. Like small town monsters. Small Small town town monsters does that. Absolutely. And I said up here in Canada, because it's a Canadian program, I said, nobody is doing this. Well, how do you plan on doing the show? I said, well, at first you break down the history. Then you go into talking to the people of the town. Then you go do your investigation. And then you say your results, whether they are real or fake. Yeah, I don't know if that'll work. I said, how the fuck can it fail? Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I'm allowed to swear during my commercial breaks. Only about the Rock's little tidy black man panties that he wears when he wrestles. That's the only time you can drop that box. Right? So, anyway, right. anyways, I so I, I said, how can this... I, I said, are you serious? I said, you know why you're not getting any quality programming? Because you're copycatting all the ghost shows out of the United States. Did you hear that? Did you see that? I said, no. I said, in fact, the show that you had me work on, I'll tell you right now, those girls were bloody terrible. They didn't even know <laughs> what they were doing. They had a, they had, I don't know the name of it, a Melmeter or something like that had this antenna going up, okay? And there was moths and bugs all around it making it buzz. They're, oh, the ghost, the ghost, the ghost. Wasn't the ghost. Wasn't the ghost. I, look for the moths. Look for the moths, Right. I I think what's missing both in paranormal shows and UFO shows is sort of like in a um, kind of like a detective show where Bingo. the viewer feels like they're part of the process of trying to solve the mystery, you know. And, hold, and hold I did on, a Katie. interesting experiment. Okay, hold on, okay. we got five seconds. Here we go, everyone. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the roundtable tonight as we are joined by MUFON Colorado's Katie Page. We have Jason Gimet from the UAP Studies Podcast. Grant Baker from After Hours on YouTube channel for SOR here. Nicole Sackage, author and researcher, and Tom Whitmore, researcher of MJ12. And one of our chatters here tonight, uh, we call him Sweet Donnie Cho. He brought up a good question. How come nobody ever talks about monsters like the 
the Loch Ness Monster anymore. Why have we forgotten about all of these strange and weird creatures? Because all we ever hear about UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, Dogman, that's it. That's our big four, okay? Those are the money makers right there on any show. But, I mean, the Loch Ness Monster or gnomes running around the forest or, or puckwudgies of the Blackwater Triangle uh, or Bridgewater Triangle, pardon me, in Massachusetts and Maine or anything. The little green men that run around the forest, little people of First Nations lore. There are a ton of legends out there, Tom, that just really are not getting the respect that they deserve. I mean, wouldn't you want a good mermaid or banshee story? Makes for a great campfire story. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the thing is, we've got, we have the missing proof syndrome. Uh, nobody ever came up with an actual Loch Ness monster. Nobody oh. has an actual Bigfoot. We don't have an actual UFO. We suspect the government might have one. And no one has a ghost in a, in a cage. To show everybody. So after a while, I don't know, I think you, you get missing proof syndrome uh, fatigue. You know, you get interested in something and, and you go year after year after year and you never get an answer, really, truly. I mean, it's an interesting subject, but after a while, you just get tired of it. It's well, like Oak Island. I'm still yeah. waiting for them to find the treasure. <laughs> You know, the funny part about it is uh, us us Canadians actually laugh at Oak Island because even the locals there know there is no treasure and they're just reaping in the money. There has to be. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. (laughs) I will tell you, there is a brand new show out up here in Canada. I forget what it's called, but it's about uh, Slumax Gold. It literally is like in episode two or three. So somewhere in the Cascade Mountains on the Vancouver side, okay, uh, by a, a city called Maple Ridge, in the mountains there, a, an old dude uh, with the last name of Slumac actually buried a bunch of gold up there worth apparently tens of millions of dollars. So they're actually creating this, and this gold, they know it's up there. They just don't know where. And in fact, what's really funny is I had a gentleman on this show a number of about a year ago, year and a half ago, named Brian Antonson, who wrote a book on on Slumax Gold. And Brian Antonson was my dean of broadcasting when I went to college for radio, which was really cool to actually get him get him on and actually interview him for once rather than him grading me. Right. But but the idea behind it is, you know, there are all these little legends out there that we're not taking advantage of, that people would just have, you know, if we could see through the, the blinders and just look on the other side. You don't need to look on the other side too far, but just look there. There's all sorts of monsters and legends out there that we could be chasing it down and tripping on. Grant. Your thoughts? Well, when it comes to cryptozoology, I'm a big fan. I love it. And it's it's one of those things where you have all these cryptids out there. I have a shirt with like 50 of them on it. It's great. You know, I, I Bigfoot's one of my – I'm big biggest fan of Bigfoot. I still haven't found him 
the second time yet. I did catch him once, so he's not the best hide-and-seek champion. He's I caught him once. But realistically, when it comes to something like Nessie, <laughs> let's just put this one to bed. So Nessie, back in 565 A.D., a dude named – can't even remember his name saint columbus or something like that he he's actually the one that said it he the nessie bit a swimmer and was about to attack another man and that way back when back in 565 he said go back in the water did something like that and forced back in the water back in 34 33 early 30s there was another gentleman and i think it was wilson kenneth wilson I think that's his name. Anyways, he said he's got one of the most historical photos. Now, bear in mind that photo was later came to light now, you know, recently in the last 20 years that it was it was a hoax. But then back in, oh, gosh, what, late 80s, early 90s, they started doing the sonograms or not the sonograms. What what are those things where they sonar? Yeah. Yeah, they did sonar. Now, if anybody has ever seen the Loch Ness, not the monster, but just the actual lock itself. It's literally a crack in the earth and it's very narrow. It's deep, but it's very narrow. And all you need is like 10 boats, you know, send people out there with 50 grand worth of equipment. And you can literally just right across that thing. You're going to find it. So it kind of faded in. It's a great lore. I love the story. It, it actually something that happened from 565 AD till now. That's a long lasting story. If, by chance, there was something there way back when. It's probably perished by now. But who knows? What's up, Nicole? I want to chime in on you. That's why I'm like, I'm be next. Be next. <laughs> Were you done? I wasn't meaning to interrupt. I was no. just like, yeah. Because, I don't know, some of our chat room that follows along with us might realize that every time we start this kind of cryptid creature talk, I bring up one thing all the time, and it's unicorns. Yes. <laughs> unicorns, unicorns, unicorns. And I follow this up with, it's not just every little girl loves unicorns. Who, One of our most loved, beloved old timers in ufology has recently lectured about this. And Jacques Vallée has... <laughs> It's in the Archives of the Impossible Conference, first plenary session, March 3rd, 2002, Jacques Vallée. And during this conference, he speaks about evidence. And Grant, what's the date you just said? 550 AD or? 565. Right. Well, within this time period, they are finding archaeological evidence of you know, like when we first started to domesticate cattle and things like this and the types of animals that we would use to help protect herds. Well, one of these, and we still see them around today, I saw them at carnivals when I was little. They're these goats that have the one horn instead of two. And they were actually made to defend their herds. Because they were kind of dangerous with one horn. They could protect flocks from wolves. And you can only do it with the male goats. But when they're first born, you can take their two little horn nodules and you can physically move them together. 
So when it grows, it'll grow as one horn instead of two. Sweet. So I think Valet is pointing this out in the sense of there was a form of genetic manipulation happening, or at least this messing around with animals on this level. It is kind of known. So in that sense, I'm taking it further than he mentions in this at all. Look it up on the Archives of the Impossible, Rice University. If you're not looking at UFO stuff there, you're bad. Go look. Wonderful. But I will extend that and say, if even pockets of people were making little unicorn horns, what other things with other animals could they have possibly been tinkering around with? I mean, somebody had to figure out what food was poisonous. Somebody had to figure out what animals were nice to people enough to like get them to hang out. Like people are curious. <laughs> Who'd like that job though? I, hey, hey, eat this. Okay, I may die. <laughs> <laughs> now I think it was more like, oh crap, they just ate that. What was it? What did they eat? Like, don't even stay away from that bush. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So this could have been one herdsman somewhere or a family of them. And they're like, hey, look what we figured out. You know, we don't have to sit out with our herd all day if we've got a one-horned man goat running around to protect <laughs> the rest of them. So, you know, anything that makes your life easier, I think you're going to try to figure out. So, you know, if you don't want to watch your own herd all day and be a shepherd, then you're going to get a guard animal. Well, everything's possible. There was that lady in China that grew a horn. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, there's, I people, there, there's people out there that have grown tails. I mean, it's the mm -hmm. same it's the same thing, but I mean, you look at all of the different monsters that and legends that are out there. I mean, from pterodactyls to to raptors running around to mini T-Rexes uh to all of the, the crispy critters that are are, are not being seen. Why why do you think Tom we are focusing just on Bigfoot and Dogman rather than some of these other legends that are just as as difficult to try and find information on? Well, you're right, Dave, and and uh everybody's right here and that there are a number of cryptid uh, subjects, you know, sea monsters and uh, sea life dredged up out of the ocean and and all kinds of things and all of these legends about dwarves and gnomes and all of this and it goes on and on and on. So I think you're right that uh, the subject in general, if, I mean, if you're going to put it on TV and have a series, you know, a documentary and documentaries, then bring in some other uh, bring in some other topics. I, I think uh, the general subject of a uh, very mysterious life that has been dredged out of the oceans. I mean, sometimes we have to remember that the ocean uh, can be thousands and thousands of, of feet deep, you know, like the Mariana Trench. I don't know if we really know what's going on down there. Well, it's very alien true. Basis. Yeah, alien bases. You know, for you, Jason, for you, Jason, what do you think we're missing out on by not even looking really into these other cast of characters in the cryptid world? I think we're missing out. I, You know what it is, too, is the lore 
and legends that passed down from generation to generation. I know when I was a kid here in the Okanagan, which is in BC, we have a, a, a big lake and we have the Okoboko, uh, Oko, Okopogo, Okopogo, Ogopogo. Just Okopogo. I haven't said that in so long. I'm, my French accent's kicking in now. Uh, the uh and I, I love that like i used to love going to the beach and like saying oh maybe we're gonna see it like that excitement that we had and again i think that just you know modern times have killed that that people's attention spans are very short if it's not on tiktok it's not legit um and you know the the they're not excited the kids today they're not excited about this sort of stuff <laughs> like we were when we were kids right i think yeah. that uh, technology has really changed things for us you haven't lived until you went snipe hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Boy Scout. Kind of true. Kind of true. What is snipe hunting? You just got to go. We're not telling you. We'll we can't you tell you. We'll take you. you. We'll take you snipe hunting. Yeah. I am just, I'm so excited because I just found out that the, the SOR fan party is over my birthday. May 20th is my birthday. So nice. I'm going to be there for my birthday i'll be there That's for my birthday dollar. too <laughs> double <cake>. birthday <laughs> yes so for oh, our wow. for our radio listeners may 19th to 21st 2023 we are having our second annual vegas sor fan party at the golden nugget and it's going to be a blast we're going to going to be a bunch of people everybody from this panel will be there and we'll have a, mun- a bunch more of our uh, cryptid UFO and, and paranormal celebrities there hanging on out with us uh, for a few days and hanging on out with you, taking your conversations. And, and you know, you get them one-on-one. You want to talk ghosts with Merle, you talk ghosts with Merle. If you want to talk UFOs with Katie, you go do it. It's just that real and chill. eat cake. And eat cake. Yes, we'll have a big birthday eat cake. cake. We'll have a big birthday you cake, too. Bigfoot with Carter? Is Carter going to be there Carter again? Bouchard it will be in Vegas, along with uh, Nate and Corey uh, Rudd. Uh, Hallmark will be there again, yes. And we'll have a bunch more people uh, coming in as we speak, as well as we start to solidify the event for next year. Uh, Pono's birthday in the chat room, May 22nd. It's also my father's birthday. So, yeah, you need to come, Pono, so we can all uh, get there. And and it's a thing where everybody's invited. We're going to set it on up, and we'll have more information for everybody soon. We're just uh, finalizing all the details with the Golden Nugget, and uh, we're going to have a great time again. Great time again. And uh, we may give out some awards. We may. And uh, I've already told one special person that he has to come down from Winnipeg, no matter what. Nice. Yes. No matter what, nice. Mr. Grant Cameron yeah. has to come down and nice. uh, and uh, join us for that. And he's and he has committed. He has committed to he, it. He wanted to come to 2022, but it it all was caught up. Yeah. Yeah, but all the fans are involved. We'll, we'll soon get you an email for our radio listeners and our and our regular listeners on YouTube or the podcast that you can reach out and get more information from because the sooner that we can uh, get everything booked up, the better it is for all of us. So let's continue on with the chat. we got about six and a half minutes before we have to go to break. Uh, Nicole, I'm going to want to go with you on this one. 
you know, you mentioned unicorns that you wish there would be more about unicorns out there, but in North America, we have so many, give me, give me a couple, even one that you would love to see more research done about for me. I, I go with Varla Ventura's mermaids. There could be mermaids out there. You know, let's hear what you think. I completely went crazy over that History Channel mockumentary that they did so well where they were talking about, and I call it a mockumentary because it was actors pretending to be scientists that were part of, I think they were assuming Noah, but it was done really well. It like hooked you and sucked you in and it was about these sea beasts that end up having these strange skewers in them and hearing these strange like sonic sounds along with uh, pods of dolphins. And you could hear what they set up to be like communication where they could tell it wasn't dolphins or tell it wasn't whales. It was like this unknown creature. But then it sort of came out that it was all fake. Their documentary was all Welcome, my ugly duckling, to your emergency makeover. Blue eyeshadow all over, mermaid, or green lips, front core vibes. Now, go find your princess. Download Discovery with Wish. Welcome, my ugly duckling, to your emergency makeover. Blue eyeshadow all over, mermaid, or green lips, front core vibes. Now, go find your princess. Download Discovery with Wish spliced together and it was a mockumentary and not real. And that adds to the controversy of history channel to begin with. But there are actual cases of the animals. Whalers find these strange like spears in whales and other sea creatures. And then we have the, the cave art that depict what look like mer people, maybe even fighting land people or a dispute. And, I find those little things interesting, but then it also falls into the, is that the true like storytelling, you know, and were they using pictures to tell a story, you know, then you go back even further and you hear stuff like at one point in our own evolution, we obviously came from the sea. We went to the land into the trees And somewhere in our evolution, like maybe why our spine is the way it is, that we maybe went back to the water at some point and some of us reemerged and some of us stayed in the water. So are there are there mer type homo something in the water? I don't know. (laughs) I would defer to Linda Moulton Howell and she might know what's going on with mer people in Antarctica maybe or like Tom mentioned this trench that's so deep like is what or even in another video what's off the Pacific coast down there in the water is it a merman portal and we think it's a UFO portal <laughs> well ultra rare is a unicorn mermaid <clears throat> that's ultra rare they might ride seahorses with the unicorn horns. You never know. Or what's the man of wall thing? Or Norwal. They have a horn. They have That's their true. own unicorn. Seahorns. Sea That's horns. true. That's actually one of their teeth, believe it or not. And it protrudes through their lip. It's the only one that grows. 
Whoa. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one of those dads that has weird dad facts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they come in handy though, right? Right. Uh, well, you, you know. Well, they say your, yeah, like your fingernails, your bones, your teeth. It's all the same thing. So, uh, yeah. Right. Some of these crypto beans do tie into UFOs, though, because we had them reported at Skinwalker at the Colorado Ranch, and they were large birds, very unusual birds, like phoenixes. Mm. Yeah, the Thunderbirds. You and know, and things like that. Yeah. So I think some of them are tied to UFOs. You Phoenix, know, but one, of, but one of the things, you know, like what whatever happened to zombies? All of a sudden, the zombie craze is gone, except in in app video games. You know, I mean, otherwise, nobody talks zombies anymore. I mean, there's one that you would think is something that, where are they? You know, I mean, there are on record. <laughs> no. <laughs> they ate her. I feel like a zombie, but I meant I have a question. I wasn't pointing to Katie being a zombie. But, Go ahead. Or I had a comment. It's in the vein of. Kind of in literary works, you do see this zombie theme pop up when when there are like high times of like turmoil in your society. That's when we've kind of seen the zombie narrative emerge. So that might be why like the Walking Dead craze is has been a craze because of all our of our turmoil that we're going through. Just like you know, Twilight Days. You know, it got erased by zombie days, and now the the vampires are reemerging. There's that awesome one with Jared Leto, his show that has come out. Love him for my so-called life days and 30 (laughs) Seconds to Mars. Like, you know, so he has that vampire stuff out. They did a reboot of Dracula. So we are in the age of reboots. They're going to reboot the vampires, and in 10 years, we'll be back to zombies. So don't and worry, zombies are coming. Well, real quick, you know, I have something to say when it comes to these like vamp- vampiric stories, the zombie stories. So these zombie stories actually date back quite quite a long ways. Yeah. If you've ever seen, you know, everybody knows about rabies. That literally does that to humans as well. Like literally, if if it goes too far, obviously it's very bad for us. But you literally turn into a zombie for a little bit. And if there was just some type of strain out there that would change ever so slightly where it didn't kill us so fast, then zombies could definitely be real. And on I that, think that we go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say really quickly that I think Netflix has really like, you know, romanticized zombies, vampires, uh, even there's romance novels now about Bigfoot as well. So I think that's a huge issue. This is what is still lingering around is just now we've made these romance stories out of them. So mm-hmm. I guess it's, you know, we're still interested. We're just interested in a different way now. Well, you know what? There was also interested in romanticizing the purge too, but that wouldn't be a good idea. We continue with the round table in hour number three next. When we return with this UFO panel, what do we want to see happen in ufology within the next six months to a year? All right, we're clear. Heck yeah. That's Seriously, that Sasquatch novel killed me when I, there's like a whole series of them on, on Amazon. <coughs> I'll be right back. It's just nuts. Do they have kind of strange cover art on them? 
Do they have like what? a romance novel, but it's Bigfoots? You know, yeah, like, most likely. I think. I think okay. you're right. I think they have it on there. I saw one, and I thought it was kind of a joke, but now maybe I'm thinking it's a real thing. No, after Twilight, everything was open. It was open season. Everybody went nuts. I tell you, I am a little excited. I hear they're rebooting a bunch of Anne Rice. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that'll. I would like to see that covered properly in a reboot. Yeah. <laughs> By a reboot. Yeah, a proper one. I I liked Interview with the Vampire. I right. I, I didn't mind the less stat and stuff, but I, it it got too weird. Um, I did it like the cinematography. Story, but I think what I've heard is coming out or is out is the the Witching Hour though, and her the Lasher her witch series. Okay. So, I don't. I think that might be out on some a streaming one that I don't have already. But like Hulu I've really been wanting right. to check it out. They are talking about all these like pop culture bleed throughs that we're seeing these days. So gotta check yeah. out the paranormal stuff. I will say zombie, zombie mania. There is real links to religions or spirituality and zombies it comes up in in voodoo they voodoo and they can raise their head and kind of have like a zombie companion and it's right. not all it's not like eat brains rah, 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 like kind of stuff it's right. different i i don't want to speak too much on it because i don't want to be disrespectful but i have looked in to it a little bit a little bit to be fascinated by it honestly Right, and apparently you're not. You're never supposed to hand a zombie something directly from your hand to their hand. Oh, at least that's something I I read a long time ago. That's Tony Stark as well, right? Like he doesn't like uh, receiving things in his hand. You have to put it down on the table. Uh, That's part of his character, which is I always thought was quite funny. That's Iron Man. Yeah. Narwhal. <laughs> Giant tooth. It is, too. I think it, what's really funny is if you ever look it up, I, th- I think I saw it on a TV show that my son was watching one day, and it just stuck with me. It's like it's always one tooth. It's like either their left or right. I think it's their left tooth or something like that. It's always off to the side, so they're never straight ahead. Oh. But one stays normal, and the other one goes through their lip and just keeps getting longer and longer until it's considered a tusk. Did you guys see my ancient Geiger Geiger radiation detector that I showed off? Did you guys think it was a Ghostbusters? It looked like it. Yeah. I know it's, but now it's like the world's oldest radiation detector. It's what I take with me to my CE five circles. Nice. (laughs) But that's what I. This actually is my brother in law's. He loans it to me all the time, but. It does look like the Ghostbusters thing. It's like slide it in. They're really expensive too to to purchase. They're really expensive. Yeah, this wasn't cheap, but no, doesn't look cheap. Yeah, right. My brother in law can buy stuff like that. He's got a good job. I got (laughs) mine off of Wish. (laughs) It's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I got. got It was an antique (laughs) one, though. You buy newer ones, and they're not. Like yeah. the Ghostbusters slide, but, but, but the antiques—they're solid. That's the thing: is that they're still good to use, and they're just—they're solidly that's made, perfectly functioning. It will work. It 
yeah, it's still in yeah. excellent yeah. condition. So they're built to last. All right, Egon. Exactly. <laughs> Spangler. Egon Spangler. I always fancied myself like the Bill Murray character, honestly. Oh, Dr. Peter. I am. I'm so Peter. Dr. Peter. What the heck? How do you Bankman. say his last name? Bankman. Bankman. Peter Bankman. Yes. You guys might hear me? Yep. Yes. Yeah. You can hear me? You sound a little quiet now. I know, because my, my microphone stopped working. Maybe I should try and fix it during the break. Technical difficulties. That's the second one. Louis Have you tried me. to recalibrate the uh, phase variance on the EPS manifold? <laughs> I tweaked my flux capacitor. <laughs> Are your maladjusted anti social tendencies a product of your berserk pituitary gland? <laughs> Definitely. Poor chat rooms. Like, what are the what? guys doing? <laughs> I think the only one that actually understood what I said was Tom. I got that out of an old Calvin and Hobbes book. All right, we got about one minute, guys. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Oh boy, everybody's Hi, everybody's calling or Egon. Okay. Katie has nice bangs. Ah, oh, thank you. Getting my hair all recolored on Monday. Me too. Maybe I'll go for the mermaid look. The mermaid look. Don't forget the <laughs> horn. <laughs> yeah, right. I was trying to push both of them down. <laughs> How amazing would that be, though, if there was a, a mer people under our seas like that? Merman. Like the merman. All right, guys, hold on right there. Thank you, Thomas, Donnie times two, Catfish, Jeffrey, Hank, Vaughn, Pascal times two, Big Dog, and Dirt Road. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much. For joining us, we really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor? Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight. In the SOR Space Travelers Club, Lacuscular. Lacuscular is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. We continue on with the SOR Roundtable tonight as we are joined by some special guests who come on in to talk about the month that was. And we are joined by Nicole Sackage, researcher and author, Jason Gilmant from the UAP Studies Podcast, Tom Whitmore, researcher of MJ12, 
Grant Baker from the After Hours show on Spaced Out Radio's YouTube channel, and from Colorado MUFON, Katie Page. And here we're going to continue on with UFOs here for a second. We're going to keep it toning down, because in the next half hour, we are going to talk about immunity. You know, and we're not talking about Survivor here. All right, we're talking about UFO immunity. But first... The next 6 to 12 months are going to be very interesting in the UFO field. You know, whether we see more hearings, whether we see more uh, talks, whether we see more people coming out publicly about what they know, government officials, maybe military pilots. I, I don't know really what's going to happen since the United States Navy decided to cut everything off where they said, we are not getting any more videos we are not getting any more, giving any more information. To me, that was a real slap in the face to the work that Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon have done specifically. So in the next 6 to 12 months, Katie Page, what do you see happening within UFOs and the publicity with them? Oh, gosh, don't get me started, Dave. <laughs> I'm I'm so fearful that ufology is going backwards. It's It's... You know, we made strides forwards and now all of a sudden we're pedaling backwards or something. That's what I'm afraid of. Um, this whole, I just, I just feel like in years past, well, for decades, actually, we were, we were really making connections with, um, I would say, you know, talking about the paranormal and stuff, you know, looking at a wide variety of like with Grant Cameron's, his contact modalities, that's where I want to be headed. And I feel like we're headed more back to the nuts and bolts kind of thing. Like we were, you know, a decade ago. So that's my fear. So I hope that we don't do that. And I hope we keep going on that, that other path that Grant Cameron and, and so many others have, you know, Jack Valet and Jacques Valet have, have opened up. But Katie, you bring up a good point. I have a couple questions for you. Question one, how is that going to happen when the United States Navy took a big stick to the UFO field and swatted us right right across the ass with with saying that they aren't going to be giving us anything, and shame on you, UFO community, for even asking us for information. Right. It's not. I mean, but at the same time, you know, with the congressional hearings when they were talking about, you know, possibly prosecuting contactees and abductees and, you know, all this kind of BS. Um, maybe it's good they're kind of taking a step back out. I don't know. I think, you know, like so many other fellow ufologists, we think that this information is going to come out from all of us, not not the military, and not the government. Well, that that is a hopeful point. Very hopeful point. Nicole, how about you? Let's let's get into this with you. The next six to twelve months of ufology. Do we see more? leakage of information coming out from people like we just saw with Oak Shannon? Do we see more uh, people starting to to push for more congressional hearings? Or do we see it moving away from the politics and the military because of the way the Navy is acting? <laughs> I want to say I do share some of the same fears that Katie does. Um what feels different to me right now with this current dialogue is 
the wave of experiencers that we've had kind of come forward. And I'm not meaning just from the community. We are seeing more people in the community be vocal and come out and share their experiences than ever before, hands down, I think, in the last five years. More so than just telling the stories, like in reporting and everything. So when we start hearing people like Gary Nolan coming out and Jim Simi Van coming out and even Oak Shannon sharing his experience um, the way he did, you know, we're seeing these very, what I think we consider leveled up people, you know, making these stances. And it does concern me because we are cautious. We've seen all of this happen before. And we've seen the Condon reports come out or projects not get funded and they tend to go underground again, waiting for the chance to get money to pursue these things. I'm worried that if we have closed hearings, if everything goes to closed hearings because of classification, then we run the risk of it going underground again or being treated like, oh, well, we pursued that threat angle and it's not as threatening as we thought and we're losing interest. So we lose money. And then, then what happens again? Then it's, oh, there was nothing to pursue. It's not worth our time. Experiencers are crazy lunatics again. Even those that came out, it's like, oh, good try. Don't listen to them. And then we're back to being the lunatics. Like people still complain about Billy Meyer and Adomsky and the original ones all these decades later. We can't even be objective enough to look at them with new eyes these days and pull out their contact modality. Not their controversy, but their contact modalities or the messages that they were trying to convey with whatever they were in contact with. You know, why do we have to be that skeptical to throw the bathwater out with the babies <laughs> or vice versa, babies out with the bathwater? <laughs> even more far back in history, you know, it's like we can't even cut them the benefit of the doubt. So with that narrative at play, that's a little scary to me because I think, as every round we've seen before, we never get the phenomenon's point of view or the experiencer's want list or get list. It's always comes down to the push for money to be able to look at it more. Well, we've had decades and decades of trying to push for the money. Where are the decades and decades where we're going to maybe not have the money, but finally listen to the experiencers, not the secret ones that this group just wants to talk to, but all of us general population at large, just start paying attention. We're not all right, but we're not all wrong. And we might all have some useful pieces. <laughs> so the other thing I want to add quickly is, they, I call them the Lou crew. Uh, Grant likes to refer to it as American Disclosure Team. You know, like just little funny nicknames. Nobody has a true name for them or any of them. We tend to focus on them because they are the popular. Welcome, my ugly duckling, to your emergency. 
like main push a driving entity force in this but there are other pockets pushing for disclosure issues as well still trying to get out different avenues of information and break things their way so i think we might need to pay attention to a few of these other groups that are in parallel or congruent because to me they might have a global reach more or a more inclusive approach to what they're doing. They might be trying to include more than the threat narrative or the money narrative. They might be trying to break things before 2003. So I think we need to pay attention. I think there's going to be more than just this dialogue coming out. I do think Biden's going to sign the things we expect him to sign and we're gonna get the funding and that's gonna move forward. That really feels like it did two years ago when we were questioning it, it. All right. or last year. Tom Whitmore, let's bring you in here. You know, it's it's been a year of ups and downs for ufology. We saw earlier this month, the United States Navy say, heck no, you're not getting any more videos. The public doesn't deserve any more videos and neither do you, you know, stinking no good politicians. You know, and here we are trying to figure out where we're going in the direction of ufology now that this has happened. You know, what, what's your take on this, Tom? Well, you know, Dave, I just have a few things I'd like to say about that. Oh, I want to hear it. The, the fact that Oak Shannon recently went public, I think, is a very, very, very encouraging sign. This advanced theoretical physics group was supposed to be hush-hush. You're not supposed to talk about it. In fact, John Alexander had been denying it many times to people. So with Oak Shannon coming out, there are other, if you look at his notes and the notes of, of Jack Hook, or how, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, uh, two of the people that attended uh, one of the sessions. If you look at their notes, there are other people in that group that are still alive. So if Oak Shannon went public, maybe some of the other ones feel like they can they can start talking now. You know, and maybe maybe it's it's gonna start a, a, a trend because basically as far as the advanced theoretical physics group goes, uh, the cat is out of the bag. And and that's a hope that I have. Um, another aspect is that Richard Doty has been giving a lot of interviews and he keeps repeating that he's a member of this retired intelligence officers group. And he has a number of contacts there. I think he has his own circle. And recently he's been, he's been uh, making reference to uh, quote unquote, his group uh, that they're uh, going a different route than Elizondo and Mellon have been going about uh, possibly bringing about more disclosure. And Doty has claimed that uh, the D in the DIA's vault, in their saves, they've got all the files. They, they've got the documentation. So I, I'm hoping in the, in the next month or years, it will be interesting to see uh, if his group can, can make any headway. 
It's that's a very good point. See if headway can be made, you know. But I'm just curious, Jason, as we move forward on this topic, the next six months to twelve months, I think, is going to be crucial for if we're moving forward or we're moving backward in ufology. This Navy thing really, really bugged me because I think it was it's a it's a very crass, bold and and bullying type move by the navy finally getting their their revenge so to speak on Elizondo and Mellon getting the three videos go fast tic tac and gimbal out when they did in 2017 and hey you know what they played a good game don't get mad get even and the idea now that that we we're going to be shut down that they've publicly stated against the grain of what the government was saying that they were not going to provide any more information they they were going to go more like the US Air Force who has refused to comment on all of this stuff i mean how do you how do you take that how do you see any positives moving forward well, I was disappointed, like everybody else, when the Navy came out and said they're not going to release anything else. But in all fairness, I think the Navy did their part in all of this so far in whatever, you know, this closure or seeping of this closure uh, that's currently happening. Again, I would like to hear from, you know, the regular military, the Marines. I'd like to hear from the Air Force. That is, yeah. you know, why is the Air Force so sure. flipping quiet about this? They should be front, front and center, you know, uh, on this topic. They air, they you know, dominate the, you know, the air. So um, I, again, the Navy, we've had confirmation from them that the videos were legit. That the you know the pilots had actually recorded something that they couldn't identify. Um, what I like, or what I think, disclosure is going to happen is people like Jim Semivan. You know that worked for the CIA. He was a uh, agent for crying out loud, and he had an experience while he was working for the CIA. He had an experience at his own home. So to me, that opened up my eyes to saying that people in the DoD are having experiences as well. We're all thinking here that they're trying to look into this. There's some experiencers amongst them, and I think that's where disclosure is going to come forth. I think that people are going to come forward. You know that with high rank saying, you know, I can't comment on the uap issue but i'm an experiencer and this is what i've experienced and i think that is where disclosure is going to come from the men and women that are serving that are experiencers that haven't stepped forward because they're afraid that they're going to lose their career but now with this whole immunity thing uh you know i i really think that once that catches on it's going to be like a me too movement but like a me too me too ufo uh, you know, so sort of, you know, hashtag that kids, let's, let's get that going. Um, but it's, that's what I see it happening. I, I see that uh, disclosure, you know, even from Avi Loeb that wants to search the ocean for what he believes are, are crashed um, crafts or something. So I think we're moving in the right direction. I just don't think it's the direction we thought we were going to be moving into. I think disclosure is going to happen, but not the way we all fictionalize that it's going to happen. Grant, hmm. let's get your take. You know, there's there's a new Linda Moulton Howe and Chris Mellon interview that I think it was only about 15 minutes that just recently, within the last, what, day or two came out? I think yesterday. Maybe, yeah. Anyways, he was asked on that, and I don't want to go through the whole interview because I haven't watched it all yet, so if this is out of context, I, or context, I apologize. But he was asked, you know, when 
you think we're going to get any juicy kind of disclosure? And would you be surprised if it happened in the next, either this year or the next? And it would surprise him, you know, and this is somebody that's, that's trying to push the agenda, at least in some people's eyes. And he's like, yeah, you know, I think I would be surprised if they did something like that here soon. So, you know, the whole backpedaling thing, you know, it started out strong and then now we're losing a lot of momentum with it. And it's, it is discouraging, but you know, to all of us that don't need disclosure that say, okay, we're going to keep on doing what we love and what we, you know, what we do best and what we love to do. So it's, it's, I don't know when, if, when it comes to disclosure itself, I don't really think like, I agree. I don't think it's going to come from the DOD or the government. I think it's going to come about like people like Avi Loeb, like you were mentioning, who's doing the Galileo project. You know, I, I, I'm really putting a lot of stock, you know, not all my eggs in those baskets, but I'm putting a lot of stock in it just to see where it goes. And I think it's going to be people like them, like us that are going to push this narrative and get it out there in the open and make people more aware of it. Well, I hope people become more aware, but I see this also being closed down too. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, if there's nothing that's going to be happening in the public eye over the next little bit, I mean, what do we really have to look forward to unless there are more people coming through? All right. Can we trust what Galileo Project is going to do? I mean, considering many of their members are not only government officials, but Space Force officials and scientists who have connections to the U.S. government and the alphabet agencies. Can we trust what they are going to be doing? I want to, but I don't think we can fully. I mean, maybe I'm sounding a little negative there, but I don't think I am, right? I also look at the idea that that this is finally the United States Navy really showing the military-industrial complex when they say, we're not doing this anymore. We're not playing the UFO games anymore. Well, if you're not playing the game... You know, why didn't you sue the two of the Stars Academy when they put their logo on your videos? Why did you let it ride out? You had a legal case, U.S. Navy. Why didn't you do that? So there's all of these little instances and nuances that are not making sense towards a bright future in ufology. Unless another Elizondo type person decides to come out. We know Travis Taylor was close. Sure, he's done the podcast junket lately, but he really hasn't given up much. Not like Elizondo did. And Elizondo, for the most part, has gone quiet again since it came out, uh, courtesy of his lawyer, Daniel Sheehan, that he was, in fact, indeed hired by Space Force to run one of their UFO programs. So where do we stand, Tom? I don't know. Yeah, well, things are getting a little mixed together there. Um, You know, Lou Elizondo has been out playing whistleblower, and yet he's apparently now or going to be uh, employed as a contractor to the Space Force. So uh, things are getting kind of uh, jumbled up a little bit. And if you have uh, people in the Galileo Project uh, that are employed in the government, uh, I would think that they, if if the government supervisors think that the activity is sensitive, that the participants would need 
uh, permission from their supervisors to participate in a project like that. And the reason why I say that is, let's say Avi Loeb and his his bunch, they get some telescopes going and they get some uh, pretty good uh, data reception equipment going. What if they stumble across classified satellites or classified uh, things in orbit? You know, that's that's getting pretty hairy there. So I, I agree with you. Things are things are getting uh, things are getting pretty mixed together. I think it's bleak, Tom. I very do think it's bleak. And once again, I'm not trying to play the negative Nancy here, right? But I really don't see anything positive coming out of ufology. We got 40 seconds, Nicole. Your microphone's on mute. 30 seconds. It's a weird trend that it's in, out, in for somebody like Taylor. And when he's in, he knows something. When he's out, he makes a TV show. And now he's back in in such an important role. Same way with Lou. He was in, he's out, he does some TV, and now he's back in. So what happens to these interesting things they've explored when their future stuff starts to go classified and under NDAs and they're discussing about investigations they've done in the past? Is that all going to get blanketed under new NDAs or new classifications and things like that? So that's a concern. Well, when we come back, we're going to continue this talk, including immunity. That was a huge talk. If you come out, can you be fired or charged with treason? We'll be back. Spaced Out Radio continues at the roundtable. All right. There we go. We're clear. Good topics. Let me finish that just real quick. I don't like it because... Bigelow never put out anything really juicy from whatever they did at that ranch before. So now we've had Taylor there again investigating it, and now he's back on the inside. So does that mean like after the Skinwalker shows are out, like portions of that or maybe what wasn't aired, is all that information going to become classified somehow into further this pursuit that we're all on? So in the end, we still don't get anything more than what the television show has shown us. And that's what I'm starting to think about unidentified. They go around, they talk to all these interesting people that could maybe like validate the here and now. And then if this all goes dark again, then does that all get compartmentalized and code worded up and you know, lumped into the weird desk trash can that's never going to come back. I'm worried. I get worried about things like that. I really do. That's where I go all like, oh, no, disclosure for dollars instead of disclosure for exposure or, yeah, yeah, or it's, it's going like to fall that. short. It's going to fall short. I don't even mean it to sound badly. It's just going to fall short of what we, the general population, want. Could we have <laughs> okay, not? Okay, could we have not done that to ourselves, considering the amount of of uh, podcasts and and YouTube channels out there? 
that have portrayed this entire field as being very negative. It's it's negative because we're all fighting each other, right? Like right. none of us have the answers, but we're all fighting each other. And the thing is, when you go and throw money into the mix, like some people make killer money in this field. Let's face it. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to name names, but even us trying to approach some people, they were asking for like a thousand dollars for an hour of their time. And I was just blown away. I didn't know that they can make that kind of cash um, for an hour. A surgeon doesn't even make that kind of money. Uh, as my co-host Louie would say, uh, it, it's crazy. And um, that's the biggest problem is that now because money's involved, we're all like the egos are going up and people start fighting online, especially Twitter. That's a nasty place to be on uh, UFO Twitter because everybody's calling each other out. Uh, nobody's, you know, everybody's trying to disprove each other. It's, it's a big problem. And I think, you know, unity is, is really important. Um even the show is really important because you're bringing people together. You're, you know, we're all clashing different ideas and theories and that's what it should be about, right? It's not about, uh, you know, I know the answer or I'm the only one who's privy to the aliens and I'll charge you for a fee. You can see them and, you know, uh, I'm only even feed you snacks. I'm that cheap, right? Like, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's a big problem within our communities, uh, the, the infighting, right? Yep. Well, absolutely. For sure. But, I mean, you even look on the Canadian side. We already know that Trudeau and his minions have been read in on this and have sat silently for approximately two and a half years, coming up three years, while everyone else in every other party is starting to ask questions about UFOs. And yet here we know Trudeau was read in sometime between August and December of 2019. Right? Yeah, but see if it has nothing to do with his personal agenda for the country, he's not interested. Uh, this is something that he's not going to take any interest in because it doesn't move his political system. So, Very true. But that should be yeah, something that we should start bringing up to our leaders, especially as we're approaching an election, is saying, what are you going to do about disclosure or what are you going to do about this issue of UAPs? You know what, though? That is, that is a, the right question. But there's a lot of bullshit that is going on with that. Give you an example. My MP, I met him at my daytime job. And I pulled him into my office and I said, this is what I do at night. This is what I'm associated with. And the conserv- I, could, I said, what do you-, you need to learn UFOs. Mm-hmm. And he kind of laughed at me, right? Kind of gave me the political sticker. And I said... His name's Frank. I said, Frank, I said, I'm serious about this. I introduced the the pen, former Pentagon guy to the conservative parties, Larry McGuire. I said, this is going on behind the scenes. You need to learn this. Well, guess who is the assistant deputy critic of defense now? My guy. Two emails that I've sent recently hasn't even responded. Hasn't even responded. Here we go, everyone. We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spacetown Radio. Much like an Aaron Judge home run. 
Let's go for 62. Thank you so much for tuning us on in. Want to remind you, if you missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with our panel discussion. The roundtable happens at the end of each month where we take a look at the month that was. And we are joined by After Hours host Grant Grant Cameron, Grant Baker. (laughs) Sorry about that, Grant. Uh, Nicole Sackage, author and researcher. Katie Page, MUFON, Colorado, researcher of MJ-12, Tom Whitmore. And from the UAP Studies podcast, Jason Gilmette. Now, we got real heavy into what's going to happen the next six months to 12 months in the last half hour when it comes to UFOs and what we're going to get. But one of the big pushes right now, Tom, is the idea that immunity is being called for and really making the rounds saying that many of these whistleblowers, whether it's Elizondo, whether it's fighter pilots, whether it's astronauts, they need government immunity in order to be able to get past their non-disclosure agreements to talk about what they really know about UFOs, where they are, crash retrievals, alien contact potentially. Tom, do you ever see...
Welcome, my ugly duckling, to your emergency makeover. Blue eyeshadow all over. Mermaid. Or green lips. Front core vibes. Now, go find your princess. Download Discovery. 